I am Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. We're here for the penultimate episode of the show. Not the podcast, probably. It's S7E19, Farewell, My Lovely. Written and directed by Joseph Doherty. What you think of this episode? I loved it. How about you? I really liked it, yeah. Um, yeah. I is I is just like a, a Mona Swan song. It felt like. I mean, I know we're get, we'll obviously get more of her in the next episode, but I feel like this episode did right by Mona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, obviously, what they were intending, it feels like it could be a finale. I mean, in a way, you ride off into the sunset. It could. If this was the last episode of PLL, this could be the last episode of PLL. What so makes the finale of that much more interesting? little bit of that trend you see in tv shows now where there's kind of like multiple finales where like um the example is always breaking bad or like the second to last episode of breaking bad is like one kind of end for the show and the last episode is like the fan service end this is feels like a similar vibe like i think girls had something like that too in the last two episodes yeah yeah from what i understand like they almost should have flipped the two yeah, the last one and the second last one. Um, I don't think you could flip these, obviously, but um, no. Yeah, this was a it's a nice little denouement. I really liked it. I liked the end, and of course, we'll talk about that. Uh, I mean, the usual suspects were rabble rabble on Twitter or not Twitter, but uh, Reddit about it. But I thought it was a nice little close to some of the story. It it really did kind of put some things to bed, so mm. the finale can kind of be its own thing. There's just there's a lot of balls in the air in this too, and it's it's interesting to watch them juggled mm-hmm. so nicely. Um, Some controversy with the episode, which we'll touch yeah. on. Yeah, I have some thoughts. I have some hot takes. Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, watch out! Watch out, Charlissa people. I wasn't even talking about that really, but I know, I know. Yeah. But I feel like you're also coming for them. I'll get to you later, Charlissa fans. Anyway. Oh, do you have any follow-up? Benjamin Light's taking off the belt. No. <laughs> uh, after you brief pieces. He's getting follow-up. mean, and his pants are falling off. I'm getting mean. I support all theories. I'm theory agnostic, except if Lucas is involved or Jason, or uh, if it doesn't answer what Maya knew. You know, there's a rumor that Maya's like cousin is going to be in the finale. Also played by Bianca Lawson. Yes. <laughs> no, that that's like an actual rumor. Like one of the, like one of the new bitchy high school kids is going to be a, a Maya Saint Germain cousin or something like that. So like Allison Derringer's like like hip sidekick. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Her Emily. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um. Two brief things to follow up. Kate Miller on our website page uh, put forth a theory, and this was before anyone else jumped on this train for last week. Mm-hmm put forth the theory that Twincer is actually Melissa wearing a Spencer mask, which um, I don't know how that would work with like the sex part. Mm. Like, I don't know how magical these masks are. Um, and then Shelby J 
she this was stuff she wrote before the episode aired. She thought Lucas would be the killer. Nope. Uh, things are playing though. Are you really fucking unless you're wearing a mask of someone else's face? That's the thing. Wouldn't it just like kind of come off as you're smushing? I don't know. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. Like, what if suddenly just like, your face is looking the other? Mm-hmm. This is getting weird. <laughs> um, oh shit! I... I'm drunk. Sorry, I didn't shut the door while I'm pooping. <laughs> it just starts emphatically fanning away of a magazine. Toby, um, we don't have that kind of relationship. <laughs> too soon. Um, <laughs> I just don't see Melissa like lowering herself to wearing a mask of someone else's face. Especially, to fuck Toby. Well, especially her sister. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea is that she's like, you know, taking revenge on all that shopping Spencer did on her car. later. Yeah. <laughs> your lame carpenter boyfriend spencer's like i dumped that guy uh, good luck with that uh it's it's not a it's not a dramatic moment you know it's not a french farce three's company kind <laughs> of drama very, moment like, it's a very until... show from arrested development type of movie you know? literally of tony wonder and tony yeah. wonder and uh God, season four. But like, it's not like a big dramatic moment until like suddenly then Ren can come running in with a silenced pistol. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, uh, we will discuss that. That is the thing. Like, I was like, oh shit, is that Addison Derringer in that that trailer? But especially Ren of his fucking silenced pistol. Like, he's goddamn hitman in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's been a secret agent the whole time. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into this episode. Falls deep undercover. Um. Yeah. So we pick up on the same night. As the last episode, uh, we pan into Rosa Police Station. There's Lieutenant Linda Tanner on a heated phone call. She says, uh, you will not call me back. You will do it now. Pauses. Well, wake the judge up. Then I need signatures on those arrest warrants, and they cannot wait until morning. So whatever she hears, like, may be upsetting. It's kind of hard to get her read. But she kind of, like, looks at the desk in front of her, and we see the mugshots of all the liars from season five. I think she's just like frustrated with the, you know, this bureaucracy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Fucking justice system. Um, there's Allison, her orange jumpsuit. There's Spencer, Hannah looking glamorous. Uh, then Emily looking confused in her mugshot. And then Aria with that once upon a time longer hair. So speaking of Aria. Aria with a real ombre there. Yeah. And then cut to Aria herself on the side of the road talking to this cop. Standing in front of her trunk trying to be totally chill. <laughs> uh, red blue lights are flashing in her face and she's like it's okay I just dropped my keys in the trunk and the release isn't working so I called my friend friend of mine who has another set of my keys and they're almost here so it's all good but thank you though and she's just like getting this all out in one breath just like bobbing her head smiling like everything's fine everything's fine and he just kind of smirks at her doesn't budge and he's like let's see if we can, can't save your friend a trip <laughs> and he's like Oh, um, and he just like, like walks right at her, so she has to like get out of the way. She's like, seriously, it's okay, you don't have to. And then he like puts his hands on the trunk, like inspecting the car. He says, if it's just something caught in the release, we may be able to shake it loose. And then he starts fucking Arya's car. <laughs> like, am I wrong? Like, this car is rocking, don't come and knocking. The only other thing I could think of in my mind visually is there's a bit in like the the Ocean's Eleven remake where mm. Bernie Mac is doing something with like the van and the, the fucking uh, 
Casey Affleck's brother and the other one, the, the Colin cast off, are like hopping up and down in this like truck or whatever. Well, I mean, like, they're checking the shocks. There are some stills here that like I I could screen grab them, but I don't want to like drag this guy because he's just doing his job. But like, damn, that's a remember Trump in the chair in the Hillary debate when he just no. starts like <sighs> like humping the chair. I, no, I think that was the one I didn't see, but yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy's just plowing away, and Arya's just like, my friend is almost here, so I don't want to waste your time. He's like, part of the job. Yeah, yeah. Like, getting cats out of trees. It's just like balls deep now. And Arya's like, like uh, the, only, the only downside is this is not, like, 45 seconds longer. Yeah. Arya's like, uh, that's fireman. <laughs> I love that she corrects him on that. She's like, seriously, you don't have to do this. And then he climaxes, and the trunk opens, pops up a few inches. Uh, and he's just like, there you go. Now let's find those keys. And he pulls out a big flashlight to take a look. But Arya like lunges in front of the trunk. And she's like, no. It... And he kind of frowns at her like, what the fuck? But then his radio squawks. And we hear dispatch say, 10-7, Rosewood 6. So he turns away from Arya to talk to the radio. And he, what does he say here? He's like, 10-16, like Twin Road Bypass or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, Twin Road Bypass. Yeah. Uh, when he's not looking, Arya like crouches down and peers into the gap uh, into the trunk there, and she sees her keys just lying there. It's like leopard print uh, prints on the keys, and just they're like right on top of the body, like right above like the gross corpse hand. Mm-hmm. And then we hear dispatch saying single twenty seven intersection Winthrop, and Arya just takes a deep breath and just darts her hand right in there, snatches the keys out, and then slams the trunk shut. And the cops like ten seventeen, and Arya's like got him. And he like he's kind of curious, but he's distracted. Arya just hurries over to the driver's side door immediately and she's like, thank you so much. And he's like, no problem. And she's like, good night. And he's like, good night. And it's like, he kind of senses like, well, something's weird here, but eh, I don't know, whatever, you know, puts his light away, goes back to his car. Like, does this dude have like a strong, like, like sinus cold or something? Could just not smell the rotting flesh as soon as he opened the trunk. Well, of course, everyone's everyone's favorite pet theory, which is fine. Yeah. There's no actual body here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so back in her car, yeah, breathes a sigh of relief as the cop drives away. Um, I do wonder, like, did he run her plates? Because usually cops do that, right? Before they approach. I would think so, yeah. Like, just be would safe. It, would it show up that, like, she's under investigation for murder on her, her like, <laughs> jacket? Screen. Like, I feel like his, his, like, dash computer, whatever that thing is, just crashes because the audio alert <laughs> is so like, intense. Warning, do not approach alone. Suspect is highly dangerous. We know it sounds weird, but if you see anything pig-like, mm-hmm. anything at all, run. Yeah. Um, this, uh, yeah, sorry, continue. I'll just say then we get the credits. Ali's a shisher. This, uh, it reminded me a lot of, like, the other fantastic scene from Hitchcock's Frenzy. But um, I would love to know what was the direction given to the cop. I think it was, you gotta fuck that car. <laughs> but like because he's got these great like comedic like chops in comparison to her and she does that thing that she did lucy how when uh the like call me back later just you know not later because i'm marrying my parents like she's mm-hmm. so good about the fade away well the um, the uh that's a fireman <laughs> yeah. yeah but like you just you don't need to do that but like she's almost doing like woody allen mannerisms at, at, a, at different points hey what are you doing there Oh, sorry about my table. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's she's almost doing like Woody Allen mannerisms at different points there. Like, uh, hey, what are you what are you doing on Saturday? Oh, I'm killing myself. Oh, okay. What are you doing Friday? 
Well, and it definitely kind of has this three beat build where like first she's like, no, I'm cool. And he's like, well, let's try the trunk. And she's like, oh, you really don't have to do that. And then the trunk opens. He's like, let's see what's inside. You know, she's like, fuck. And they're like, she's barely saved by the squawk. It's just kind of that build tension, build tension, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, just, I think he's legitimately like, I would expect it more of a thank you. <laughs> Can he do that with a trunk? I don't know. I could, I'm uh, going to have to go fuck my Civic and find out. Just really get in there. Get passionate. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Ali's a shusher. You know what that means. You know who the hammer is waiting for. Uh, after the credits there, we see, we're in Spencer's barn. Everybody's gathered in the barn except for Arya. Even fucking Ezra's here just being useless. And Hannah walks over. She says, are you absolutely sure about this? And Caleb's like, Mona has the game. She not only has it, she's accessing the guts of the thing. You can see that by the signals. It's her game. And Emily's kind of heard all she needs to hear. She's kind of standing protectively over by Allie at the table. And she says, Hannah, Mona's AD. Spencer says, the good thing is that we know. And she doesn't know that we know. I'm just glad he didn't bust in on her. Really, Twinser? And why is that? I, I I don't know about you, but I feel like there are like weird Twinser vibes in this entire episode. Not as yeah, much I, I, as I know before. You, do. you know what I do? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah it's a sickness it's overtaken me you're really you're really pushing it yeah so i'm just i'm just merrily like leading the twins of brigade probably right off a cliff <laughs> i was gonna say that's exactly where you're you're leading them you're, you're running full speed into that brick wall mm-hmm. um so then caleb is just like well we have to do something we should do it now there's a lot of chatter on the police frequencies tanner's paying a lot of overtime i think she's getting ready to move Spencer's like, well, we need Mona if she's AD. And then Allison's just like, why? Because I don't know why I'm in the episode or something. <laughs> and Spencer so looks at her like, what the fuck? You know? And so she's like, so we, so she can tell the cops what she's been doing to us. Look, guys, our only shot at a break is a live Mona explaining how we ended up on that road of Dunhill. I shouldn't have to spell this out to you. And Caleb's like, I'll convince her sensually with these magic um, fingers. <laughs> oh, I would love to see, see Tyler J like doing some like magic jazz hands of people well spencer and caleb uh, yeah. they sure look here because uh, she knows how he does yeah so does jenna's back um and hannah misses all of that magic and she's like no i'll talk to her to which she goes not alone you won't oh shit like, dad caleb is back well married dad caleb bossing yeah. her around the hey, most romantic season you're her husband dude not her pops <laughs> i'm gonna finish my coffee um so spencer looks away and this is like when she sees that wine bottle with a note in the crack door in the barn it's a message from mary uh all the presents men style so spencer kind of keeps that to herself meanwhile ezra is like ready to make himself known in this scene he's ready to command the scene he hangs up on the phone call he's apparently been on stressing the conversation and uh what does he say Arya's is still not answering her phone what i can't understand is how you could do this just cut her off like that Spencer's like, okay, Ezra, you have to understand. Understand what, Spencer? That she screwed up? That she has, that she got scared and made a mistake? There isn't a person in this room who hasn't made a big mistake, doesn't have to live with it. It's like we're all equally guilty, so you can't hold me being a pedo against me. Uh, nobody wants to make eye contact with Ezra here. They're just taking their medicine. He says, do you know what it makes AD so dangerous? She can't forgive. That's the only edge you ever had over her. And now you don't even have that. 
and he just storms out because he's had it. He's had it. I'm calculating of Ezra to kind of like call them all out in defense of Arya, so like they can't even really fight back. He's like, let me hide behind Arya and like talk shit at all you guys. It's not so much that it's an Ian Harding impression. It's that you're making me fall in love with the idea of like Jerry Seinfeld playing Ezra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we got to review this set. I don't sound very much like Ezra. <laughs> I can't imagine why. I don't know um, why? Yeah. <laughs> I thought these impressions were dead on. It's so like Ian I. Harding's in the room. <laughs> uh, I thought that was our inside joke. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a happy reviewer. Um, outside, we see uh, Ezra exiting the Hastings gate. He's making his way to his car. Caleb comes running out of him, calls out to Ezra. Ezra stops and turns back. Wayne had this, like, this, this bro moment, this cool guy. He's like, hey, uh, I didn't mean to include you in all that. <laughs> bro, like, that lecture was only for the women. <laughs> Caleb's like, why not? It's true. And I thought, like, what has Caleb done wrong besides cheating on Spencer and that haircut? Anyway, um, well, Ezra's, Ezra's, he's maybe a little stunned here. He's quiet. He's just like, my God, he's so chill. He can even own himself without taking an L. How does he do it? You're so cool. If there, if there was a wall nearby, I swear to God, Ezra would punch it. Um, <laughs> Ezra's quiet. He's you know, it's a little, little stunned by that. And he's, Caleb's like, did you try to get through to Toby again? Ezra's like, yeah, I did, but it went straight to voicemail. Caleb's like... <laughs> he must have just gotten his brains <laughs> fucked out by Ghost Ninja Twin. Caleb's like, are you going to look for Arya? And then Ezra says, like, yes. <laughs> Goofily, like, intense way. And then Caleb's like, maybe I can help. Does she have an extra set of car keys? And Ezra ponders this for a second, as if Caleb just asked him, do you lunch? <laughs> <laughs> well, what you need those keys for, Caleb? And steal something out of Arya's trunk, maybe. I don't know. I Caleb is suspicious to me in this whole episode. I mean, Ezra is too. Like, I both these guys, it's like they told him, like, turn up the creep factor. Well, I think, you know, if Caleb is, well, I mean, we'll get to it, but if Caleb is AD, the True Crow's diner scene is even more awesome. Yeah. Well, he's I mean, been, been vaguely something the entire flash forward, yeah. Uh, or the time jump. Also, yes, he has. He has been vaguely something. Vaguely a little something yet. Would Ezra have a copy of Arya's keys? Um, perhaps. I mean, she's pretty much fully moved into. I guess. I mean, she like the, went back the to Burning Brew. <laughs> went back to Braintree in Boston to get her extra set of keys. Well, I don't know. that's the thing that's kind of still hilarious to me. You know, obviously it's TV world. What the fuck? Who cares? Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, other than maybe Hannah, like, don't. The other three all have stuff yeah. in an abode somewhere. Like at least Spencer and Arya have apartments. I who knows if Emily. Like I feel like she could have been crashed on someone's couch for all we know. But like still, isn't there like at least like hair products that need to be shipped or something? Yeah, it it makes me like a little anxious. Just like moving is like a big production. I don't know. Yeah. Like just the idea of them like having like an apartment that they forgot to like pay the lease on or something. It's just yeah. I mean, I, I I move cross country in kind of a minimal way, but like still, it's a big deal. Anyway, yeah. So you know what this we, episode needs? I was just thinking, mm. like somewhere right in the middle of it, like all this action's going down, and you just like cut to that cabin where where Toby's just like passed out, just like drooling, like ah, and then just like cut away, like that's it. Yes, I mean. Well, here's the funny. It's like, meanwhile, Toby. Here's the funny thing is, it's not like anyone is like, 
I don't know, guys, Toby might be AD. Like, no, that's not going through <laughs> anyone's mind. So we might as well just show him, like, sleeping in bed with, like, his pants around his ankles, mm-hmm. drooling. Yes. <laughs> we'll just imagine that that happened. Anyway, then we're going to uh, get through a shot from the hood of a car. nearby. <laughs> I really, I think, um, I think, like, boots still on, pants around his ankles, you know? <laughs> like, they never made it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, zoom down a, one lane in a country road in the or dark. Or face down, a little bit of a tushy shot, depending on how HBO you want to you want to ramp mm. it up to. HBO yeah. sex scene, yeah. Maybe he farts in his sleep as he <laughs> snores. <laughs> Let's not overdo it. Yeah, Arya's driving fast. That body is just flopping around in the trunk. Like bodies don't do that. I don't know. It's, it's just like thump, 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 thump. Yeah. What what does a body usually do in the trunk when you're driving at high speeds and monologuing? Well, if you've done your job, it doesn't do anything. Mm, mm. Uh, so Arya's glaring back at her imaginary Pictunia there in the mirror, and she says, keep it quiet back there. I'm trying to think. And it's just like, thud, thud, thud. <laughs> and she's like, ah. Tough. Yeah, that was your first mistake, making all that noise. We get an insert of the rearview mirror here, uh, looking at the empty back seat. I love this. She's having a conversation with no one through this whole thing. They keep cutting back to the empty mirror. And all right, says, if you'd kept quiet, I wouldn't have had it. Ch- wouldn't have checked the trunk and I would have driven straight to Spencer and the others with you in the back. The police, they would have received an anonymous tip that that is what AD wanted. She sighs and she looks back again. She says, you're dead. You know everything. Who is AD? And this is where Pictunia just needs to be like, don't act like you don't already know my child. Aria's like, God, you're no help. I should have just let the cop find you. And then she suddenly gets an idea. Maybe I should have. Maybe I still can't. McTunie's like, confession is for quitters, Arya. And Arya's like, yeah, I could go to the police. I could tell them that I killed you, and they'd forget all about the, that ticket once I introduced them to you. I can fix this. I can. McTunie's like, only if you plan on murdering all the police, too. And Arya's like, good. Glad you agree. And she just like speeds on. Very pleased with herself. I think the thing that ruins the joke of us including Pictunia Mm-hmm. into this is is when we actually write pigtunia dialogue oh thanks for stepping on I, it i was i like that people like are doing their own versions of this in pigtunia mm-hmm. voice also i like how many people tweeted like what is like what is my they bidding my master at us it's mm-hmm. like really you want to complete the reference and at the end when aria has like fully assumed the mantle of the apprentice to Pictunia, you know, and she's like, where's Ezra? And Pictunia's like, it seems that in your rage, you killed him. <laughs> and Arya's like, eh, okay. But yeah, I I would have I would have watched this a whole episode of this, like the uh that Robert Altman Nixon movie, Secret Honor. I just her monologuing. I want to know how was there a fight? Like, how how readily did this impulse? Like, let's just cut to the mirror in the back seat. Like, how readily did this come up? I I just think it's funny. Like, we go like read the forums and whatnot, and some people are like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is this scene?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? This is fucking fantastic. Like, this is what we've always wanted from Arya. <laughs> is her like manically talking to herself? I mean." Yeah, and then if not, if you're either that kind of person or you're the kind of person who you just imagine that she's in the backseat with pigtails, like singing ironic <laughs> at herself. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> I do think it's ironic. That's not even fucking ironic. 
Get a goddamn dictionary. It's like meeting the woman of your dreams and she's five. Man, people who don't get that reference are going to wonder about you now. Yeah, you're you're in the cool kids club if you get that stupid reference. Yeah. <laughs> That's our whole podcast in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, at Mona's house, you see the door opens, Mona enters. She's got some takeout. She's wearing an unzipped hoodie, but not an A hoodie. Uh, she puts takeout on the kitchen counter and walks over to her little A layer there. There's a big black box. It's the the board game cover, which I guess she stole that along with the game. And just as she's about to open it, there's like a loud crash outside. And then, of course, like an angry cat meow. Like, because, of course, that fucking alley. Yeah, she's startled, but perhaps it's nothing. Uh, so she calms herself and she lifts the big black cover off of that light table there. And, of course, the game is gone. There's nothing but a little piece of paper left behind. And she's kind of freaked out. She picks up the note and flips it over. It's on some like two crows stationery where you see the the two crows logo and it says today's specials and then written in uh, just all uppercase letters and small caps even. Um, actually not an all upper. Oh, wait, no, it is. OK, sorry. I had a dot. Anyway, it says time for pie. Be there. Mona is shook. That's uh, that's some good branding. Two Crows Diner Stationery. This diner, which seems like it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Mona's never looked more comfortable, I think, than she does in this scene. Also, you have to be a little more impressed by her stealing that game amidst a cop's raid of the dealer into his house. Considering, once again, if you didn't think about it before, that game and that box are bigger than she is. <laughs> She's just like, yoink, I'll take this. Uh Thank God she has a uh, map of Allison's house to uh, (laughs) navigate through. (laughs) So then uh, outside in the hallway, you see Caleb and Hannah around a corner. They've come to pay Mona a visit. And Caleb's like, how's the wedding night going for you? And Hannah says, (laughs) not how I thought it would be. And he says, well, I promise you a great honeymoon. Hashtag hand stuff. And Hannah's like, yeah, if we manage to stay out of jail. And they round the corner, and then Caleb pauses and kind of waves Hannah back because we hear some locks clicking on Mona's door at the end of the hall. And then she comes out. She's got a brown trench coat on now. She locks the door behind her, and she kind of walks down the halls, just fidgeting nervously with her keys in her hands the whole time. Like uh, She's kind of doing that the whole episode. You can tell she's definitely on edge. Uh, but, of course, Hannah and Caleb have vanished suddenly. They're not in the hallway anymore. So after Mona's gone by, we see that there's like a, stairwell door in the background with a window in it caleb peeks out the window and eases the door open and him and hannah peek out caleb's like why did you stop me and hannah says i want to see where she's going don't you and he kind of grimaces but follows along as like tense music plays us out of the scene caleb makes so many weird expressions in this episode i just maybe he's just like being like overprotective caleb now or something but i feel like we're definitely like the camera's making sure we get his reaction all the time in this episode, which feels like it doesn't always do that. It's, it's one of my only problems with bringing in the significant others is that especially Caleb and the hacking and all that stuff, mm-hmm. especially this like, like hot to trot Caleb who's just like really possessively hunting down these mysteries. He kind of like steps in what I feel like should be like liar business a little too much. Well, I mean, maybe there's a reason for all that. But more than likely, yeah, he is just kind of like buttoning in. It's like, hey, buddy, it's not, it's not the Caleb show. Back off. We tried that. <laughs> um, then we got an exterior. <laughs> we tried it. Didn't work too well. 
How dare you remind me of that? I still miss my hair. Uh, question number three for Joseph Doherty. Like, where did he get the haircut? Like, on the way from Ravenswood? In Ravenswood? What's Ravens Barber looking like? By the way, last um, last note on the uh, masseuse rankings. I, I mm-hmm. don't think we mentioned this last time, but the Jason with the Jesus hair, I think he's at the apex. I could absolutely see that. Like, the thing about Jason the masseuse, though, is I feel like he's always wearing, like, just a towel that's, like, oh, yeah. threatening to, like, fall off, but, mm-hmm. like, somehow never does. And also, and then, I think he's one of those dudes who, like, uses the crystals, but somehow they work because it's him. <laughs> well, I feel like, like, you get undressed, you lay face down, you kind of glance over, you see him, like, he's, like, really just getting the oil all over mm-hmm. his hands, yeah. and you're like... All right, he's about to put it on me, and then he just starts. It's like, like he's scrubbing up pecs. for surgery. Yeah, yeah, he starts like rubbing it on himself first, and then it's like the whole time's like you're just waiting for that thing to like fall off his like hips, mm-hmm. and then right as he leaves, he's just like, "By the way, I taped it to my dick." This fucking town. <laughs> anyway, Art got to the Lost Woods Resort. <laughs> it's dark outside, except for a few lamps on the walkway. Inside, you see Spencer's using a key to let herself into the office area here. Mary's here. She turns around with some envelopes in her hand. She's as weird and vampiric as ever right now. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Spencer's, um, I'm sorry. I-, I thought she left. And Mary says, I remembered some unfinished business. I have something for you. A going away gift. And Spencer just kind of laughs a little at this. And Mary's like, you're smiling. Spencer's like, I just, I didn't get any, uh, I didn't think to get you anything. And Mary says, you're not the one leaving. It's something for you and Allison. Spencer's like, for Allie and me? And this is like a surprise her. And Mary's like, I would like you to accept it, please. And Spencer's like, if I can, what is it? I like, that's like a true Hastings line there. Like, she's not going to commit herself unnecessarily. Yeah. Uh, so she looks around the room almost nostalgically, Mary is, and she kind of gestures like kind of like the room they're in. She's like, This. And Spencer's like, The Lost Woods. And Mary nods, and Mary's like, It's mine, free and clear. I put the deed in your name, yours and Allison's. And Spencer's like, Well, why? We don't want this piece of shit. And Mary's like, I know what's happening with the police. You need money for your lawyers, all of you. Spencer's like, this will just put us further in debt. Also, my parents are rich lawyers. Yeah, this is a bill. Yeah, no, she's like, uh, she takes a breath. She's very touched by this surprise gesture. And she's like, thank you. And Mary's like, I owe you so much, so much more. I owe you an entire life. I wish that there was something I could do, something to change everything for you and Allison and your friends. And Spencer's like, I'm afraid no one can do that unless you confess and take all the weight for us. And Mary's like, no, I suppose not. And they just like stare into each other's eyes for a moment. The moment slowly passes. And Mary says, well, the bank will deliver the deed tomorrow. I hope that helps. And Spencer's like, it will. And the rest of development narrator's like, it won't. Uh, It's a very kind of slow, still scene between them. It's like a lot left unsaid. Yeah. So Mary, you know, almost whispering, she's like, bye, Spencer. She starts to pass Spencer, and Spencer's like, bye. And almost like a gut reaction, Spencer kind of just like reaches back and like 
grabs Mary's hand before she leaves. And for a moment, they just hold hands. Like, they're kind of surprised that they their hands fell into each other. Um, Spencer's almost surprised with Jess. Okay with it. She and Mary, like, share a look. And Spencer's like, be careful. Mary's like, I will. You too. Spencer smiles, and we stay on her face as we hear Mary's footsteps as she walks out. We hear that old screen door. She leaves. There's like this once the sound of Mary's gone, Sunja's eyes kind of slowly move around the room, like looking at her new hotel in the middle of nowhere, and she takes a breath. Like Twincer? Like it's like off the, it's seriously off the beaten path. Like, what what the fuck is the Yelp review for this place? <laughs> it's just no. Um <laughs> yeah. what did you think? I don't know if you noticed the musical cue at the end of the scene. Like, there's kind of like a tone where it seemed like it was about to get like all heartwarming, you know, like a little, a uh, little 90210 acoustic guitar moment there. But then like, it just didn't happen. It just kept staying ominous. I don't know. It was a really interesting score. Uh, that is there. the, uh, Mary Drake family love scene. Like, yeah. Score. <laughs> if it sounds like a cat crawling over the strings in the back of the piano, it's, it's Mary Drake. Um, I know that there's like that that finale script page out there, which is all about one year later, this hotel up and running. Like, oh, I didn't even read huh? it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, how is how is like one of the predominant things of the five years forward just like hospitality? Well, isn't there only customer Mona? <laughs> yeah. So like, is Creepy Harold gonna come back and rent a room for nostalgia's sake? Yeah. Anyways, after commercial. Allie's chilling on the couch under a blanket at her place. Emily walks in from like the other room. She says, just another police car. Allie says, it's the third one in an hour. And she kind of sits next to Emily or it sits next to Allie. Emily does. And Emily says, they're watching us. Allie's like, yeah. And they don't care that we know it. And they're both very weary. And Emily sighs. And Allie says, "Uh, Ezra's right. Not. Uh, No, she says, "Uh, we should be looking for Arya. And Emily's like, you're safer here. Allie says, if we get arrested, what's going to happen to the baby? And Emily's like, don't think about that. Not yet. Allie says, they're going to take him or her away. And what happened to Charlotte's going to happen all over again. Instead of a family, it's going to be homes and hospitals and institutions. And Emily's like, we won't let that happen. Allie's like, Em, we're not going to be able to stop it. And Emily says, Allie, look, it took me so long to finally get here with you. Okay, I didn't come all this way to lose everything now. She takes Allie's hands and hers, and she's going to get real. She says, I promise you, I won't let them hurt you. And they share a look and kiss, and Emily kind of scoots closer to hold Allie, rest her head on her shoulder there. And the camera kind of pans away like to give them some privacy, but then it just keeps on panning and eventually gets over to the fireplace over on the left side of the room, and there's like a little hose with a metal valve at the end snaked down from the chimney, seemingly, and it's hissing. Uh oh, the Amazon baby's getting gas right now. Silent killer. I did feel like there goes there was... that spinoff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> x out that spinoff. I felt like this was like the perfect moment for that line that I feel like we still need in the Amazon relationship. Like, like if Allie was just like, uh, you know, you used to terrify me how much you loved me, and Emily's like, what changed? You know, and then we like get the answer from Allie. You know, like I don't know. <laughs> Oh, even if it was like a sarcastic, like uh, my dead husband drugged me and put me in a mental hospital and got me pregnant with your baby. Like, what am I hiding from anymore? Like, even that would at least like 
something to kind of like let us know like what the answer to that I don't know question is. I think you just do the uh, the the cut where it's like Allison says something and you're like what and they cut back to show that it's like the imagine response but they just keep doing those imagined cuts and so she just keeps saying something new and equally ridiculous and horrible like well Emily you get to an age where it's like you're 23 but you're actually like 40 because of the city miles and eh. <laughs> I don't think that's quite as romantic. Anyway, uh, cut to the uh, park area on Main Street, Rosewood. Arya is standing by a tree. The church is behind her. The police station's in front of her. She's kind of paused there, considering her move, like really about to jump on that hand grenade. And she takes a big breath, summons her strength, and starts walking forward every few steps, bringing her closer to this police station. Get a, like a couple of kind of like POV shots from her, mm. which is kind of neat. Uh, handheld walking closer. But then Ezra fits out of fucking nowhere. He just like fucking tackles Arya against the tree. It seems like maybe a little rougher than the situation called for. For for serious, like you're gonna break Arya. I know she's small. Uh, I mean, you could have just been like Arya, Mm -hmm. don't do it. You don't have to run at her. He fucking tackles her. Uh, She's surprised, but somehow seems happy to see him. She's like, "What? How, How did?" And he's just like. Caleb tapped into the transmitter in your car alarm. Let's get out of here. Don't question that. And Ari's like, no, I have to do this. And he's like, do what? And Ari says, I can make it up to them. I can take the blame. And Ezra's like, first off, I'm not interested in you making any more sacrifices for your friends. Second, Arya, you have an alibi. You're in the clear. There's nothing linking you to what happened with Dunhill. And Arya's like, his body is in the trunk of my car. And Ezra's face is just like, I did not know that. <laughs> oh, Ezra, you're not interested in her making sacrifices? Fuck you. It's not your call. Oh, I wish Ezra walked in and took the blame. Oh, as if. I'm Ezra Fitz, local entrepreneur, business owner, Main Street resident. Aria, I only Creator make, of a custom juice blend. I only make but, sacrifices when it's convenient for my publishing. I've written one and a half, well, acclaimed novels. Guys like me don't do well in jail. <laughs> My weird prison sentence is going to have inside jokes. Yeah, but it's pretty sketchy here. Like, he really doesn't want her to, like, confess. I feel like this is, like, one of the few times where you really see him, like, like get truly animated. Like, he's not, like, he's he's not as detached as he normally would be, you know? I, I think the word animated is always hilarious when mm-hmm. describing Ian Harding and Lucy Hale's performances on the show. <laughs> Cause well, they, see, like, you know how some guys have like, kind of like, like girlfriend mode, how like, you know, they just have like, like if they're like around dudes, they maybe don't act quite the same way. I feel they like tell the, they tell their bros, like, I'm sorry that I uh, was really giving the girls their medicine. I didn't, I didn't mean to throw that harshness at you, bro. Yeah. I feel like right now he's not, like restrained at all he's like fucking tackling her and being like fuck your friends blah 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 you know yeah i I mean the situation does kind of call for it to some regard she is about to take the rap for a murder but it's just funny it's just funny scene because it's these two um this is absolutely their their next novel Allie killed someone yeah and buried Uh, the body uh, then yeah. some like chunky rock music starts playing. 
we cut to the two crows diner. We see some headlights flash over the sign there. And we kind of pan across the building. We see neon signs are open 24 hours and time for pie. I wonder they must have that somewhere, right? In like the yeah. WB museum or something. Yeah. Uh, that was good, good branding for this. This is their slogan. Time for pie. Every time I see that, I want pie. Yeah. Uh, so through the windows, we're kind of following a waitress as she walks down the length of the diner all the way to the end. We're in the window. We see Mona Vanderwall waiting and she talks to the waitress there and then cut to like behind a chain link fence. Caleb is spying this as Hannah Hannah's like behind him on the phone. She gets off the phone and like comes and joins him. And she says, Emily and Allison didn't pick up. I guess they're dead now from the gas. Is she still there? And Caleb's like, she's still waiting for somebody. And Hannah's like, who? And we see through the window inside, Mona, she looks very nervous and antsy. She's like biting her thumbnail, glancing around. And Caleb's like, Jenna, Sydney, Santa Claus. And Mona's sipping her coffee, biting her nails. And Hannah's like, she looks so nervous. You can see it from here. And Caleb's like, makes you wonder who she's waiting for. He's just... He's really on Mona here. He's convinced she's AD. Well, he's not really interested in hearing Hannah like humanize her. Um, so kind of headlights flash behind them. Caleb and Hannah turn back to see Spencer climbing out of her car, rushing over to them. Spencer's like, is she alone? And Caleb's like, oh, by herself. I think we need to get in there before she gets any support. Because Sp- she's not getting it outside. Um, <laughs> Spencer's like, if we do that, then how do we find out who she's supposed to meet? Um, you know, there's, uh, the two girls are on the same wavelength here. Somehow mm-hmm. Caleb's not. Hannah's like, she was supposed to meet Charlotte here. Remember the two crows the night Charlotte was killed. Mona called her and Charlotte never showed up. And then Hannah turns to the camera and she's like, everyone got that? Wink. <laughs> Caleb's like, and she's not going to show up tonight. And then he turns to the camera and winks too. Um, Hannah can't believe that she's getting pushed back on this. And she's like, I'm just saying, that's what she said. Caleb's like, <laughs> the audience might've forgotten. It was nine months ago. This is where they need the uh, like the VHS copy of PLL that they can rewind to. <laughs> it's now, now. Not now, then, now, now. Um, Caleb's like, like, wait, was it the whole thing with the keychain? Wasn't Sarah Harvey there? I'm confused. Back up. Let's watch let's that talk, again. Let's talk about that luggage. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was with the luggage? <laughs> oh, which, which I, Marlene King, has a response to that. Anyway, so Caleb's God like, damn it, Marlene. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get on the boards. I need to get on Reddit. Um, Caleb's like, I know what she said. It's her alibi. And Hannah's like, maybe Mona's not AD. Maybe she moved the game to keep the police from finding it. He's like, I can't buy that. And she's like, because you don't want to. So Spencer's been watching this bouncing back and forth. And she's like, really trying to sell it? Oh, my God. You guys are arguing like you're married or something. Cool. We get a sound effect of like the busboy dropping a whole bunch of dishes. No, I'm kidding. We should, though. Um Hannah and Caleb share a look, and I feel like Caleb's just like, Jesus, that made it through the table read? Oof. I will, I was just thinking about when Troyan said that there's certain lines that she buries because she's I hoping know. to like devalue them. I know. Um, so for the first time, it's like super obvious their reaction. Spencer picks up on it, and she's just like, what? And Hannah and Caleb kind of split apart, not wanting to tackle that one. So Spencer takes Hannah's side. She's like, Spencer says, Hey, did you call Allie and Emily? And Hannah's like, they didn't pick up. They're dead because of the gas. <laughs> Hashtag R.I.P. Emerson. <laughs> Hannah glances over at Caleb, who's back to like watching him off his eagle eye. And he, he glances back at Hannah like, 
he's wondering if she's gonna like break the news for him um and it's like spencer well it I... seems like hannah's about to yeah yeah spencer i and spencer's like i just talked to mary and hannah's like what there's like i talked to mary i saw her and it says when so just like tonight and she gave me the lost woods and it's like she gave you a hotel or a motel so just like yeah Allie and me and, and hannah's like, just like why? why who would want a piece of shit road motel like that well it's like hannah's like remember when i took the creepiest fucking shower of my life in there <laughs> spencer's like i think i'm supposed to burn it down for the insurance money i really wish she had said that more than mortgage it <laughs> yeah she says she thinks she's supposed to mortgage it and pay the lawyers that they're gonna need and Hannah's just like oh my god and spencer's like look maybe caleb's right maybe we should just grab mona while we can and to that, Hannah turns around and, oh, Caleb's gone. Spencer says, did he just go back to the car or something? Come on, Spencer. <laughs> and uh, Hannah looks over at the diner. She gets her answer. She's like, Spence. There's Caleb inside the diner. We can see him through the windows, strutting on over to Mona's booth. He's kind of smiling sarcastically as he sits down. Hannah's face is just like, oh, shit. And Spencer's face is like, Hannah face. Yeah, it's okay. I'm supposed to sit. Um, the the weird like shit kicker song that's playing on the soundtrack bemoans at this point. They got me on my knees down on this cave floor. It's it's such a weird song to be playing over. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just supposed to be like this is like the shit kicker music that they play at this diner that's far far outside of Rosewood in the boonies, but also like a mile away. Also, somehow in walking distance of a sort, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're about to have like a big scene where like sexy Batman and sexy Joker have a conversation. Oh, I've uh, I've made some uh, modifications to the scene. I should warn you. Um, but it is awfully ballsy for Caleb to just walk right in, right? Like, oh yeah. Is it because like he knows AD is not going to show up because he is AD? I don't know. That definitely crossed my mind. Here's my question. How much of him hunting down this lead with Mona, especially this moment, is him running away from breaking the news of his his nuptials to Spencer? Mm, yeah, I suppose that's one way to read it. Not the fun way, but sure. No, but I mean, like, I don't say it's like the sole reason, but I'm wondering how much it feeds into his actions here. He's rather impertinent in this episode, yeah. Uh, so anyways, cut to inside. He's sitting at Mona's booth. He's smug as fuck. He's like acting all hard. And he's just like, don't you like your pie? And that peach pie she is has pie in front of her. mostly untouched in front of Mona. Yeah. And Mona apricot says pie. it's apricot. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Janelle Paris. Sorry. Janelle Paris tweeted that uh, Tyler J. Blackburn like fucking hated this pie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mona says it's okay. Hannah's is better if you know what I mean. And Caleb kind of gestures at the pie. He's like, do you mind? Mona kind of shrugs like, fine, whatever, you weird creep. So he like pulls his plate over and takes a bite of her pie like he's Jules from Pulp Fiction, like eating a big kahuna burger or something. It's like really just like rubbing her face in it. Mona's just making these faces like, what the fuck is this weak ass power play? Like, did you see this on a CBS show? Get the fuck off. Like, bitch, I don't want to watch you eat. Yeah. So he kind of chews his bite and he pushes it away he's kind of enjoying her discomfort but maybe not the pie he's like you're right this pie tastes like ass and i said who are you waiting for and was like nobody and he's like let's go for a ride then and Mo says i don't think i want to go anywhere with you and he's like well think again because we're gonna walk out of here 
we're going to go to the police and you're going to tell them how you made everybody's life a living hell. But first, we're going to pick up the game just so you can see your so they can see your handiwork. It's getting a little bit of Brock Landers from Caleb here. Uh, your impression or him from him? No, from him. Not uh, from me. OK. I mean, maybe from me, too. I don't know. But like the way he's a little like that Saturday Night Fever. First, we're going to check for holes. Where the fuck is Ringo? Um, yeah, he's like he's just reveling in his like, I'm the badass. But he is not. And Mona is not here for Caleb's bullshit. This pilot tastes like Ezra's prose, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, Mona, she kind of leans in. Her voice is kind of quavering as she you can see her hands are kind of nervously pulling at her coat sleeves here. And she says, I don't have it anymore. Somebody stole it from me. Somebody's always stealing the game from me. And she kind of backs off as a waitress comes over and drops off a check and takes off. And Caleb's like, if you don't have it, who does? And Mona's like, I don't know. Somebody's always stealing the game from me. She grabs a napkin. She starts kind of wiping her fingers. And uh, I really like this touch. She goes under the fingernails like she's Lady Macbeth. The very subtle little gesture that I'm sure is like completely intentional. Um, There's a spot. It's it's like this place in the game are kind of like triggering muscle memory for Mona. Like she's kind of like repeating things that she's done in the past now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love the under the finger nails there. Yeah, so she's like, I told Hannah it was a bad idea, my touching that thing. <laughs> and so this is like... Yeah, when Caleb starts to notice that this is getting a little weird, uh, and she's like, we're out of our league, all of us. We swim around this fishbowl like we're in control. We are not. There's always been somebody watching, manipulating. And he kind of like shakes us off like, this is Rosewood, Mona, not Area 51. Finish your pie. And she pushes the plate. He pushes the plate towards her. He reaches for the check. She like slams her hand down on it, pulls it back from him. And she's like, I don't want anything from you. So he's basically telling her to eat her pie like he wants her to smile more. Um, she picks up the check, glances at it. Whatever's on that paper clearly has an effect on her. So she stands up, starts to lean like she's going to the back of the diner, and he puts a hand on her like, front door's this way. And she's like, mind if I use the ladies first? He's like, can you hold it? Which, <laughs> fuck you. Um, that's when Hannah Spencer come barging in. And Hannah's like, what the hell are you doing? And Mona will use his commotion as a distraction to like run to the back. Um, and Caleb yells at Hannah, I couldn't just stand there and do nothing. He charges after Mona with the others falling. It's like just in this guy is like standing up from his table. And Caleb and Hannah both kind of like manhandle this poor bastard out yeah, of the way. They're just causing this huge commotion, like having to like maneuver around the other diners. It's great. So pause real quick. I, first of all, I wanted to see like Janelle Parrish just like leap over this guy's table or something. But I, I almost wish that we had a little more for her to like jump into this scene or to slowly amp up to it. Cause she, I mean, they definitely play her as unhinged. Like, like usually unflappably cool. Mona is, I don't know if I would say unhinged, but she is scared. I think is the the facade is definitely like slipping. Um, it it slipped, not scared of Caleb. Something no, else God, no. is really bothering her. Yeah, and you can see the way she's constantly fiz- fidgeting with the sleeves of her jacket there uh, and looking was, around the whole time. If she was more Mona, I feel like she'd find Caleb's whole affect to be more than a little humorous. Yeah, um, she doesn't have time for that. She's 
actually really concerned right now. So the three of them burst into their, their way into the ladies' bathroom, uh, start kicking in all the store, stall doors. But Spencer's no just kicking in doors. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is what you want from Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spencer's like, maybe she went out the back. Caleb's like, not about setting off the alarm. And Hannah's like, well, she didn't just flush herself out. Which, bam, Hannah nails the Harry Potter reference. I um, mean, maybe she did. Mona is, after all, a witch. True, true. And and that's there's a twinster thing you're not considering. It's just straight up polyjuice potion. <laughs> <laughs> and they look at the camera. And they're like, yeah, it's real in the PLL universe. We it's do that. It's been Emma Watson the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when Liam returns. Told you. Um, the kid's like glancing around. So is Spencer. Spencer like finds the crumpled up bill in the corner like that Mona threw down. The like, waitress. They're and, like, where did she go? Like just ignoring the windows right next to them. Like the well, high windows, the windows there. But like I'm looking at the clear indent of the wood <laughs> behind them. And I'm like, there's a secret passageway. It's right there. Um Spencer's like, guys, and we see that written on the check is leave now. So Caleb starts like feeling around the wood paneled walls of the bathroom until oh, he gets just all like, fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. They get to the obvious hidden door and slide hey, it open. Real quick. I just got to ask you, where's your mic right now? Do you keep bumping it? Oh, I'm leaning on the table and it's bumping it. Sorry. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Caleb starts feeling around on all the wood panel walls of the bathroom there. Uh, he's kind of pounding on him. Most of them are solid, but then one of them at the end kind of moves back. A hidden door and he slides it aside to reveal a brick lined secret passageway. Uh, God, I love this. Not even mad that there's no fucking reason at all for this diner to have a secret passageway. I'm just going with it. Nor do we care about explaining it. No, Kayla's just like, that's how she got out. And Spencer's like, yeah, maybe that's how Mona got out the night that Charlotte was killed. Remember that, guys? Uh, and then inside, you can see there's kind of like steps descending below, and Hannah's ready for this. She's going to follow it to the bitter end. She's like, come on. Then Dad Caleb has to tap the brakes on that. And he's like, no, not you. I'm not letting you go down any more holes. And Hannah's just like, I'm not letting you go down there by yourself. And Spencer will say this. She's like, to Hannah, she's like, I'll go with him. Just take your car back to Rosewood. This has to come out between here and town. How far away is town? I'd like to know. This place seemingly has been like, it seemed like it was, the vibe is like, it's like 20 miles outside of town. I mean, maybe there's some sort of, uh, interdimensional something something where it only takes you like 20 minutes to walk the distance but you walk 20 miles i don't know because it also goes through like the the bermuda triangle and mm-hmm. the devil's triangle and it's a place where you have a devil's three-way yeah like i remember like during the scenes where they're actually strolling through the passageway we were kind of like jesus christ take your sweet fucking time they are <laughs> not in a hurry yeah it's a well-lit like <laughs> well spaced out tunnel i'd be running through this thing but no no, no, no. We have time to, to chat and dig up old things. Also, if you look at the Liar's Lament game board, there's clearly the marked secret passageway tunnel. It's funny. It everybody church to the pit, the pit of skulls. Well, everybody thought that was going somewhere else. I don't have the image in front of me, but they thought it was going to another location, but it's actually just going off the board. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's where the secret passageway to the church comes from. Anyway, yeah. Caleb says, let the others know what we're up to. We'll call you when we surface. And Hannah's like, all right, don't get lost. And so she takes off. Caleb steps into the tunnel, just pulls a flashlight from out of nowhere and shines it down the stairs. And see at the bottom, it looks like the tunnel goes off to the left and right. And Spencer says, out of nowhere, how do you like the ladies' room? And he's like, smells nicer. (laughs) Yeah, right. I've been in a few ladies' bathrooms in my day. Uh, Anyway, so she falls him down. Yeah. 
Those damn undercover cops keep getting you. Um, I, I want to start a rumor that every time another character has a uh, flashlight in the scene, Troyan always has a bigger one that she pulls out, but they that'd keep be, cutting. That'd be great if she just keeps pulling it out. <laughs> but they keep cutting those scenes. You know, they're not giving it to her. Uh, I, I, I love this fucking secret passageway. Like, I, I don't care that it makes no sense. I love it. I get major clue vibes from it. Like, all is forgiven. I yeah. love I love myself the secret passage. There's just certain things that I think you you're you're allowed to introduce into just about any show. And Secret Passageway is one of them. In the bathroom of a random diner. Oh, it's perfect. The ladies' bathroom too. Yeah, it smells nice. Well, like I don't I don't care. I mean, what is what is the fucking explanation going to be? It's like, oh yeah, this is actually uh, part of the Underground Railroad. It's like, sure, yeah, boom. Don't 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 even just take that. Let it happen. Mm-hmm. Master Bruce. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cut to the police station. We're panning over some mug shots and we see arrest warrants are getting dropped by a uniform cop on top of all these liars here. Arrest warrants for each of them. And Tanner's inspecting them all very pleased. And she's like, get the watch, Commander. So the cop nods and walks off. And Tanner just like sits down to ponder her latest arrest of the liars. Um, and then, yeah, there is something weird with her wrist. I just don't know what that is. If It's like a bandage or what, but I don't think yeah, it means like- anything. Yeah, it's like, a, like there was a bandage on that wrist at one point here recently, or she had a tattoo removed. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say it's not a clue. Could be no, wrong. No, no. I respect no. all three. But when you're but yeah, and you throw them at us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you're doing your notes late at night and you're watching this, you just kind of <laughs> find your eyes fixating, like what the fuck. Mm-hmm, uh, totally. So we pan over to the brew. Wow, you uh, said that nice, just like, like Ezra too. Sorry, you're like, so we pan over to the brew. I am not interested in the camera movement into my dramatic dialogue. Um, what, what time is it right now? Like 5 a.m.? Yeah, I wonder. By, by, the, uh, by the clock we had in the last episode, 4 a.m. was when their, their time ended. That's right. Yeah. Like you This place should be tired. open Plus, already, right? It's like 5 a.m. You got the morning commute. Tell me that this show has not listened to this podcast. It's Caleb's the only one who's not like swarthy from sex right now. Mm, yeah. I mean, unless Hannah and Caleb had like a quickie in the car, which well, they romantic. may have. I mean, it is their yeah. honeymoon. True. True. I mean, excuse me, Ashley, I need to use the restroom with Hannah. Could you just wait here and plug your ears? <laughs> Could you and the judge who's about to sign our arrest warrants <laughs> just take a breather? <laughs> Give me um, ten, no, five minutes. And it's like, we're going to do it twice? <laughs> yeah. Sing. Um, Self-owned. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Gotta eat that pie. Um remember now uh, do we want to do we want to do we want to do this um am i i assume aren't you always um also i just want to point out because it's, it's just a dirty episode and i love this callback because i don't think you always see it oh yeah you eggs, see it eggs bubble confessional is there in the background fucking egg yeah the little bubble thing do you think they still use that five years later i really like, wonder Ezra's just like i bumped it once and it stopped working so it just sits there like do you bump in it just like it's like playing previous confessions <laughs> yeah i don't know if that thing 
I wish they would bring that back. But anyway, yeah, it's a nice little callback. Anyway, uh, I guess I'm Ezra. There is nothing keeping us here. You forgot something. The dead body in the trunk of your car? No, I didn't forget that. The body is not the problem. Yes, okay, the body's a problem. But more importantly, I can't leave my friends. I think that you gave up the right to be with your friends. No, they haven't. I'm sorry, I read Uh, that line wrong. I think they gave up the right to be your friends. No, they haven't. I'm the one who made the bad choice. This fucker is always trying to separate out Arya from the pack. And he starts to shake his head like this. Like is just, he's been grooming her for seven years. Yeah, this is just some goofball logic to him. So he's got a he's got a mansplain. Uh, so Ari explains when someone puts you in a box and nails the lid shut, part of you will always be locked in that box in the dark, afraid and crying. But you can't let that trap part do the thinking for you. And just get a big old annoyed <sighs> from Ezra as he, he recalculates his plans. He really wanted to run off to Tuscany. And he's like, mm-hmm. Okay, we can grab the others. We can get out of Tanner's jurisdiction. There's no point in making this easier for her. And he does this really funny like head nod. And he's like, first, we need to deal with the problem in your trunk. Then I want my motherfucking Tuscany wedding. And he starts to walk <laughs> off. And she's like, how? And he stops, turns back to drop a real clunker on us. He says, I have a master's degree in American literature. There is nothing I can't handle. I just don't know what to make of that line. It's so deadpan that I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or if the writers are just making fun of him by making him a douchebag. I I, I think it's just like this Matryoshka nesting doll of all of those things. I think I think Ezra is sometimes really dry and, and like uh, uh, just self-deprecating like the uh, like. And that's what a happy bride looks like. I mean, this I, is this is some just extra driver muth or something. There's just it's so dry. He's so deadpan. It's it's great. It's good work by Ian Harding. But also raise your hand if you thought we were going to then get treated to a scene of Ezra like not sure how to open the car's trunk. <laughs> or he's like, you gotta fuck it. Like, no, you gotta get on there. You just gotta get throw one leg up and just fuck get, it. Get, get out of the way. I'll show you how it's done. Yeah. Um, I also I just I like Ari in this episode. Like, there's a almost kind of progression, not quite resolution though, from like where she was in the testimony and of late. I think of Rosewood. <laughs> you know, she's not the girl crying on the uh, on the tube anymore. She's the girl who's I like no longer the, be trapped. I love the the body is not the problem. Yes, okay, the body is a problem, but more importantly, yeah, <laughs> Victunia wants you dead. Sorry, sorry, Ezra, not sorry. I just that that line about the English or American literature. I it's I just really wonder is because he plays it so straight. Like, is this just like fuck you, Ian Harding? Have fun with this line, you know? I know. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Sorry, Ezra. Because I, mean, I I fully believe that Ezra is pretentious enough to not be joking when he says that. I. Although in the there's a cut to Arya and then a cut back as he's turning away, he's kind of smiling to himself. So maybe he's intending it to be a joke. I don't know. I I think if Ian Harding's doing his job, though, you're always walking the line of does he know this is a joke or is he totally serious? No, I don't. Um, it's an inside so joke outside. and I'm not involved. Oh, 
Uh, they step outside. They see that Arya's trunk outside is actually open. And Arya's like, oh, no. They run over, open the trunk the rest did, of the way. Did you catch how Ezra runs over? He does this, like, weird thing where he starts to crouch down. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, half a crouch, half, like, a power walk. <laughs> well, they're just like, Ian, you're you're too tall. You got to crouch down to, like, keep Arya, you know, keep Lucy in, like, the same height or something like that. <laughs> That's the problem when one actor only comes up something like the collarbone of another actor. Mm-hmm. It's keeping them in the same frame. Um, so they run over. They pop open that trunk. There's no body. There's just like a rag, like a replacement tire, a toolbox. It looks relatively clean. It's it's immaculately clean. Yeah. Yeah. Dramatic music. It looks Arya's like somebody like, like took a little uh, dust buster into that thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they just look at each other like both hilariously confused. <laughs> Was there ever a body? Mm. It's already dissociative. Did you imagine the whole thing? I, I love that. And I, what I obviously we're we're gonna cut to a year forward, so we we just won't know. But I like that you can kind of uh, read the episode that way and say there never was a body. That's why the cop never smelled anything. Ari's fucking well, nuts. But no, it's just heightened state, late at night, super late at night, like imagined manifestation of her guilt. Mm-hmm. After, uh, you know, got to be kind of uncomfortable couch sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you just do me a favor and like move your desk a little bit away from the microphone there? Sorry, do I keep doing it? Yeah. It's funny. I can't hear it at all. Oh, I hear it. Yeah. After commercial. Oh, shit. Here it is. Finally, mercilessly. We're going to pay off that flash forward scene from 610. It's the Rosewood High Hallway. We kind of float into Allie's classroom. She's writing on the chalkboard. This time the blackboard has changed. Uh, it's not the same as it was before. She, she, Allie's written down a bunch of her aliases. You got Allison Dillarentis, Allison Dillarentis Fields, LOL. Uh, how how junior high of her? I like it. Mm-hmm. Vivian Darkbloom, Holly Varjack, Emma Thorwald, which I'm pretty sure she is actually done at some point. I just can't remember what episode. She's taken on the name of. Of the wife of Lars Thorwald? Huh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's been in an episode. I just can't remember which one. Uh, well, I mean, junior high, yes, but you know, good, good job. You can always hyphenate. You don't need to. Uh, you don't need to take one of the other's names. No, pretty no. cool, ladies. Well, so would Emily be like Emily Fields De Laurentiis? Maybe if she wanted to. Yeah. Cool. I mean, if it, I guess it depends on how much of a power play Emily wants to make. <laughs> um, and she then, is going to wear leather pants in this scene. So. Yeah. To the right, of course, Allie is writing Mrs. Rollins just to pay off that. Uh, behind her, we hear a door clicking shut, and then Arya is running in a panic. It looks a whole lot like Six in Flash Forward, but it's not actually because they reshot it, obviously. Uh, and Arya's like, he's coming for you. Emily runs in in her leather pants. She's also very worried. And Emily says, we have to go. And then Hannah shows up, and she's like, now, Allie. And Allie's just like staring at them blankly from over by the blackboard there. Like, what? And Emily says, Allie, we came back for you, so move it. And Allie kind of slowly walks closer, confused. Spencer rushes in. She says, it's too late. He's already here. Arya looks back, worried. And then suddenly, like, the light just completely changes to, like, this crazy, like, green tint. It's like a, it's like a dream that's, that's rotted and gone bad. It's like we're in the fucking Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's this great inhuman sound. Like, something, like, reality's being peeled. Um, it's a great sound effect just to throw us into this state. So I love it that like 
almost immediately the four PLLs start like pushing desks over, piling them in front of that classroom door, like make a barricade. We see, of course, the English posters on the wall telling us to read to grow, talking about personification and setting and plot oh, antagonist. That reminds me, there's like a frame where like Spencer is in front of the antagonist poster, which is a cool thing and all. But there's also ones where like Hannah's in front of it, I think, and Emily's in front of it. So, you know. It reminds me of there's some some scene from somewhere in the first two seasons where Ezra's on a blackboard in front of a bunch of words and it's like in this one scene <laughs> it says the behind words a are cut pedophile. Yeah. They're like the word, subtle. The words are cut off in different lines say I was a mm. uh, and people are just like, Oh shit, confirmation and it's like, okay. Um But Marlene But yeah. I just I love that the liars in this in the, the dream metaphor logic, they all move in like this perfect harmony, setting this thing up. And there's a bang on the door. We see the shadow of someone out there in the hallway trying to get in. Well it's a <laughs> it's a black hoodie silhouette, which I like. Yeah, yeah. And Hannah's like, he's awfully sprightly for a dead guy. And Ari's like, you know, maybe if you'd hit him harder the first time. Spencer's like, guys, less talking, more stacking. But she like leads the others like pushing more school desks towards this pile, and Allison like gripped with fear from it all, backs up to the far wall of the classroom. And Emily, like while pushing some chairs, kind of senses something, keeps her eyes on Allison, and then like a hand just bursts through the wall besides Allison's head from behind her, grabbing at her face, like covering her mouth. A rotting flesh hand that's missing a finger. <laughs> so you know, insert your We're wearing the shirt that Rollins is wearing. So yeah, obviously this is like the corpse of Rollins. Yeah, so insert your your repulsion, your Nightmare on Elm Street, your Dawn of the Dead, you know, reference thing. Um, so Emily starts like running towards Allison slow mo, like well, Allison like I, screams. I'd like to counter that description. Emily does not run towards Allie. She stares at her for about five seconds and then holds a hand out. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she would have run if they had more time. But yeah, <laughs> it's a kind of a movement. And then like there's this, she's like Allie, and then there's like this like kind of split into different parts of her. Well, it's like, like uh, it's like trails of the frames. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this vibrating sound. It's really cool. And then what in the real world, Emily just like tumbles onto the floor from the couch in Allison's living room. It was all a dream. Okay, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Well, it's not just that it's a dream. First of all, it's Emily's dream. Yeah. It's not even Allison's dream. It's not even Allie's dream. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just I, I want to know, like, did Joseph Doherty lose a bet? Or like draw the short straw. They're like, fuck, we have no idea how to pay off that flash forward. Because we wrote it and we didn't know how we were going to get there. Like, was it that? Or was it just like, well, we have to do something before the finale. Like, we can't just ignore that entirely. Fine, I'll, I'll work it into the episode, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because so, this, this scene I, is some bullshit. Like, which, like... I, I, a lot of people are mad about this. I understand that. I feel like I already assumed a year ago it was going to be some bullshit. So, like, I've had time to get over it. But, like, that flash forward just seemed completely ill-advised from the beginning. Like, I don't know why the 611 didn't start with that flash forward. Or at least end with it. Like, if you weren't going to, like, pay it off immediately, I don't know the point of it. It was like they had Ooh. this vague idea and then just, like, completely honked it. Do you remember the rumor was like it was going to appear in like 620? Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. And then through a lot of the machinations of season seven, you're like, well, you're not going to do this for episodes. Well, and honestly, I had completely forgotten about this scene until 
I hadn't forgotten about it, but I I knew it was coming. But like I knew there was the only way it would ever make sense is some sort of like weird dream because obviously Rollins is dead. Allie is in fact being a Delorentist. Like the only way it would possibly make sense is a dream. And I yeah. feel like I, I arrived at that conclusion a year ago. So yeah, like yeah. after after she ends up committed at the end of season six. Mm-hmm. And then he's dead a few short episodes later. It's it's hard to figure that out. I like how you're positing though that like the script for six eighteen or seven eighteen is in. It's locked. He's like turned in his draft for seven nineteen, and then like here comes the draft for the finale, and he's like, wait a minute, we don't have the classroom scene. And Marlene's like, imagine that. I feel like they all like uh, passed around lots, and you know whoever got the short one. Sorry, yeah, you gotta work that bullshit scene into your episode. But uh, the way you worded the one thing just made me think in my mind again. The only reference that only you and I will get. Uh, Why well, don't pass a clown make no more records? We've made this joke a few times on the podcast. Have we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's time for callbacks, guys. Yeah. It's, it's ending. Because she did. Um, yeah. Did that make you sad? <laughs> had time to get over it. I've had time to get over this scene. I understand why people are mad about it, but at the same time. What were you expecting? It never is going to make any sense. It was ill-advised from the very start. Um, I, I do just want to say, though, like people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe she didn't have it planned out the whole way. Like, that's not the problem. Like, shows do that all the time. Like, the, the best example of this is Breaking Bad. When in season five, the first episode of season five, it's like Walt in the future, and he's like buying a gun from somebody. And it's like, oh, shit, what happens to get Walt to this point? They didn't know when they wrote that scene. The problem is not there. The problem is when you don't make the effort to connect it later, you know, which like this should have happened like a season ago. Like once Rollins was evil, that ship completely sailed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are my thoughts on this. Yeah, because then, whoa, the whole thing of her writing Mrs. Rollins at the end of 610 and then. 611 you meet this guy and they're not together it sets up this expectation of the grand epic romance which um see this bar podcast about our dislike for rick rollins anyway but uh, uh again like she everyone's tweeted us this youtube video she did for i don't know what this is of sasha peter so where they talked about how don't watch it that, that's my advice uh, don't watch it but basically she just says the scene the idea was a late edition to 610 and mm-hmm. so you know yeah, they didn't know what they're doing. Yeah, they were going to find it when they got there, and that's how they found it. I don't know. This this doesn't really bother me because I think they add in the interesting psychological element of all of her her different aliases over time, all the different selves of Allison. And then it's weird to me when it becomes Emily's dream and not Allison's dream. It's literally a ghastly dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the, the gas leak season. Uh, yeah, so in the real world... <laughs> Emily season tumbles. six, the gas leak season. Yeah. Oof. Um, in the real world, Emily tumbles on the floor of Allison's living room. She slowly wakes up, the echo of her scream from the dream fading away, and she's like, mm. She lifts herself up, sees Allison like passed out on the couch where she left her, basically. Um, Emily kind of lifts herself up, shakes Allison away. God, Allie, Allie. Allison's sleepy. She's just like, eh, what happened? Emily's like, you fell asleep. So did I. And Allison's like, what do you mean? How did we both fall asleep at 6 a.m. after being up all night? Emily's like, I don't know, but we just did. I guess we're just that boring. Also, we've been up for you know 40 hours straight. Crazy, right? Uh, so we get the, the 
suddenly the quick whirring and springing to life of the game. It's over on the kitchen table behind them. The two of them turn and like, oh, shit. And then one of my favorite touches of the episode is we hear Allison's, you know, automated message voice say, we don't have a lot of time. And it just keeps repeating. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. They like get up, rush over to the game. And there on the game phone is the infamous video of Allison at the Kissing Rock with Ian. Like just repeating that line over and over again, like Max Headroom style. We don't have a lot of time. And Allison's like, please shut it off. Automate Allison. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. So Emily grabs the phone. She turns it off, uh, tosses it back down. Emily's just like, this was where the, uh, the Charlissa stands were just like, Oh, it's Allie in the video from the Kissing Rock. That means Ian, which is somehow related to Melissa. So Melissa's AD. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Then he's like, that's it. We're getting out. And then hilariously pounding on the door. And this time it's Allison's turn to say, the policia. Um, but no, because then we then hear Aria yelling, Allie, Emily, open the door. Saved by the shisher. Which I'm surprised we don't also get Ezra like, she means it, guys. Open the door. Also, like. <laughs> AD had to get the game board back in. Yeah. And so AD was like, gas. I'll sneak a I'll snake a gas line down the chimney. That's the way to do it. Which would be impressive to me if earlier that day Mona hadn't snuck that thing out of bedroom window amidst the entire Rosewood's police department, like swarming over this property. Just picturing AD outside. There's like a long hose running up the chimney, and they've got like one of those little kind of like propane tank sized canisters with a pump on it. Mm-hmm. They're like pumping away, like pumping the gas in. Surely still... there's an easier way to do this. You know what would be easier? Blow darts. <laughs> or just like go make a noise in another room. Wait till they run into the other room and then put the board there. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Or maybe AD did, but it was like Emily just kept getting up by herself. And Allie's like, fuck this, I'm playing it on the couch. <laughs> AD's like, well, at least I've got plan B. This <laughs> hose that I forgot that I actually snaked down the chimney like six weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to murder them, but I'll use the knockout gas this time. Yeah. Let me go to my trunk where I keep a variety of gases for just these purposes. Yeah. Oh, I've got the laughing gas. I've got the amyl nitrate. Hmm. Speaking of which, down the secret passage, Spencer and Caleb are strolling through the old wooden tunnels under the town. They are really taking their time, just wor- working slowly through it. And Caleb's just like, Mona said she didn't doesn't have the game anymore. Spencer's like, she told you that to you? And Caleb says, she said somebody stole it. And Spencer says, well, if Mona's AD, then she and Caleb's like, I don't know about that now. Spencer's like, why would change your mind? And he's like, I don't know. How scared she was when I was eating her pie. The note telling her to get out. AD doesn't get messages. They send messages. Oh, really, Caleb? How would you know? Well, fuck you, Caleb. You're telling Spencer that AD sends messages not gets them. Like, she doesn't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's just like, poor Mona. And Spencer's like about to do a spit take if she had anything to drink. She's like, what did you just say? And he's like, she always wanted to be in charge of everything. And Spencer says, and she ends up middle management. That's got to hurt. That's think, Spencer. Yeah. Then Caleb pauses because he's he's got to get something off his chest now. He turns, he kind of braces himself, and he's like, Hannah and I are married. Spencer says, you mean you're going to get married? And he's like, no, I mean we're married. Spencer's like, what? Since when? And he's like, since tonight. Spencer says, oh, no wonder you didn't want her going down any more holes. 
kind of gives him a playful jab on the shoulder and she's like, congratulations. He smiles. He's happy for himself and also relieved that she's going to be cool with this. And he's like, thanks. There is a part of me, though, that uh, wants to say I'm sorry. Spencer's like, to whom? To me. (laughs) And he's like, well, to the only person I know who uses whom in a conversation. Spencer's like, sorry to me? For what? And he kind of looks at her and his eyes are just whispering and stuff. And Spencer says, don't you dare apologize for being with me. And don't you dare forget it, any of it, because I won't. And she kind of smiles and he nods. They kind of turn to continue on, taking their sweet fucking time. And he's just kind of teasing her. He's like, to whom? And she's like, shut up. Do you want to start here? Should I? Start what? Just Okay, first of all, these two have outrageous fucking chemistry. Oh, they do. Like, compare this scene to the, well, I'm just saying that's what she said. Well, I know that's what she said. Like, this is just so much, like, sexier and adult. Um, At the same time, I am getting a, a little bit of something from each of them. Because you, you absolutely want to. Um, but, because <laughs> you're bringing that something. Second thing on my list of many things, uh, I cannot help but, like, be not icked out. That's not the word, because my brain's always in the gutter. But, like, the word holes I know, they keep might saying as well that. be moist to me. <laughs> Like you need to stay out of those moist holes. Apparently Caleb's not a hole man anymore. Um, you know, people are going to go in the hole anyway. Um, also apologizing like to her, like how condescending and granted uh, it's Spencer. It's Troy and she can't help but make it like sexy. Cause like, Hey, don't you dare forget it. Any of it smile. I won't like good for her. These two are, these two are absolutely having an he's affair. He's looking for some absolutely. absolution, you know? Yeah, these these two will be fucking in a couple of years, but uh, uh, I think I, I, I kind of wonder if we're gonna get the the how I met your mother thing where you spent a whole last season Hannah's dead. Well, whole last season building up a, a a relationship and a marriage, and then in the finale of that season, they do a bunch of flash forwards where that couple broke up like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Great, they're not gonna do that because you know it's the most romantic season, as you can tell by the holes, but like. Well, this, is a, this is a nice little moment between the two of them. I mean, it's kind of putting as uh, as happy of an ending, you know, as nice of a bow as they can on Spalip here to just be like, it was it was good. Remember it. Treasure it. You married someone else. Yeah, that's kind of adult conversation we don't want to get to have in a whole. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really I'm very curious though where a lot of the spalub and the drama and all that stuff like how how ingrained was that in some of the original ideas of the five years forward um especially to to wrap it up here i know Uh, i said not to you know watch those interviews or anything but apparently in one of them (laughs) i don't know which one (laughs) all the writers wanted the the ships to be broken up except the showrunner let's put it that way okay Uh, she had to be talked into it and then she had to talk them all. Yeah. She right or the network. Yeah. Um, anyway, cut to, I believe this is actually Arya's car that Ezra's just driving. Yeah, right. I'm driving it. Emily and Allie are in the backseat. Allie's on the phone. And she's like, no one's answering. Hannah, Spencer, Caleb, no one. Arya's riding shotgun. Ezra's driving. He's like, keep trying. We need to pick a place to meet. And Allie's just like, I'm sorry, Arya. Arya looks back at her and Allie's like, we all are. It kind of makes Arya happy. She smiles a little and she's like, it's okay. 
And Emily's like, no, it's not okay. We didn't have the right to shut you out like that. And Emily's like banishing you from the tribe. And then Allie kind of like looks very sad and mournful. She's like something I would have done in high school. And Ari's like, you panicked. When people panic, they go back to old behavior. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Just then, Ezra kind of quickly breaks and comes to a stop in a long line of cars. Up ahead, we see there's some like orange cones out. There's some big lights set up. Cops are doing a roadblock. They're checking IDs. I don't know why this made me laugh. <laughs> Ezra like seems to only notice that they're doing a roadblock like two seconds before he's about to plow into the car in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ari's like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. Cops are clearly checking some IDs there. We can see like going like car by car. And Ari's like, maybe this is not about us. <laughs> <laughs> and Ezra's like, I'm not interested in finding out. So he just backs up and turns around to flip a bitch. I, <laughs> what if it was like uh, the Sixth Sense scene where like they're just, you know, glancing around trying to see what's up ahead. And Ari's like, it's a uh, demonic Cthulhu like pig puppet up front. You know, and Ezra's like, how can you tell? And Ari's like, because he's right outside my window talking to me. Well, I, this is not the only TV show or movie that's done this. Where, like, characters encounter a roadblock. So they just turn around and drive away. The roadblock cops never seem to care about this happening, you know? Like, I've, I've never once seen this in a movie or TV show where they're like, hey, that guy's getting away. You know? yeah. It's like, oh, I guess he wanted to go another way. I'll ignore him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you would think that Oscar Kevin's like, you know, I just thought I saw a car doing. Yeah, never mind. Mm. Um, also, I just want to go back to getting out of Tanner's jurisdiction would mean leaving the state, right? You know, she's state police, so sure. I mean, unless she got demoted or transferred or something. Ezra's <laughs> like, we are all, all of us, all of us getting out of her jurisdiction to fucking Tuscany. <laughs> that is happening. Well, like, guys, we went to New Jersey. They can't arrest us for murder anymore. Wait, they can? Fuck. Fucking Chris Christie. Um, yeah, we are going on a fucking erotic Italian runaway vacation. Uh, Interpol's going to have fun with Ezra. So, meanwhile. Meanwhile, Hannah has driven back to Rosewood, is quite fortuitously walking across the lawn of the church right in the middle of Town Square, Messing with her flip phone, very frustrated with it. And she kind of like puts the phone away, cursing at it. She's like, God, how I hate you. And she closes her phone. Uh, she starts to put it away, but then she looks at it again. And as she does so, rose petals kind of start to fall lightly around her. She looks up, and the door to the church bell tower is open up above. And petals continue to drift down, seemingly from that church tower window. And so Hannah's like, huh, I'm going to go investigate that. As we go to commercial. It's happening, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Spencer is dialing on her phone as Caleb leads them down that narrow brick line passageway with, a little, with his little flashlight. Um, she throws up her hands at her phone and she's like, oh, this thing is useless. And Caleb's like, you couldn't get a signal out here if a satellite phone. Um, they run a corner, come to a fork in the tunnel, leading off to angles right or left. They pause to consider their path. And Caleb sighs and looks back to Spencer, like, unsure uh, back on that church bell tower. How long have they been walking? How far Seriously. away is the two crows? That's what I'd like to know. Seriously. I mean, it really seemed like it was way out of town, not like a mile from town square, but sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and like, 
it they it couldn't have what if it didn't go that far you know what i mean like there's there any really point to having hannah go drive i don't know anyway yeah whatever they they just need hannah to get there first for the the blonde hair anyway back in the church bell tower we pan up to find mona she's back in her nerdy mona sweater glasses and high socks jean skirt she's looking out the bell tower window there tossing rose petals uh out into the air and yeah, this is a breakdown that involves a costume change yes it does um kind of uh we'll get to that later um, then we see a, a hand grip a, a wooden railing there it's hannah she's coming up the steps uh to the belfry here up the top she's she's found mona her own way not going through the secret passage and she uh kind of walks slowly she's watching mona closely and hannah's like mona and after a beat, Mona turns around. She's really fully morphed back into nerdy Mona here. And she's holding a bouquet of those lavender roses. And Mona's like, who else would it be? And Hannah says, what are you doing here? And Mona says, waiting for you, Charlotte. Oh, shit. I, I like this a little bit of a callback to season three, how like Mona would confuse people for Allie. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's fully reverted to early season three Allie right now. Along with nerdy mode at the same time, yeah. And Hannah says, I'm not Charlotte, I'm Hannah. And Mona just like shakes her head. She's like, mm mm, Hannah wasn't here, Charlotte was. And Hannah's like, The night Charlotte was released? The night you called her? And Mona kind of nods meekly. And Hannah says, Why would you want you uh, why would she want to meet you here? And Mona says, Because she had to. And before you can really wonder what that means, flashback. Hmm. Because she had to. What do you think that means? Well, we're going to only kind of sort of find out in the flashback. Um, I don't know. <laughs> does Mona know about the secret passageway like that night? I Why think she does. Gross? I mean, I, I, I think what happened was Mona called Charlotte at Allie's house mm-hmm. and must have told her, you need to come meet me at the church steeple seemingly she must have some kind of leverage you know oh so if, she makes a call from the diner to have yeah. the alibi okay yeah some kind of leverage to say if you don't whatever so so charlotte had to show up so she says to the waitress perhaps like hey uh, i'm not leaving i know i haven't paid yet i'm just gonna go like drop a deuce it it's could be a, it's a real bad one yeah it's like a it's like a like it's gonna take as long as if i had to walk 20 miles in a subterranean <laughs> tunnel do a murder stroll back um here's twenty dollars don't clear my plate yeah yeah also just don't come in that bathroom it's mm-hmm. gross um yeah. do you have any febreze yeah <laughs> some candles maybe, they don't have candles maybe a glade plug-in anyways mona is standing on the belfry in this flashback she's got a bouquet of lavender roses in her hands she is not nerdy mona here she looks all business very confident and we hear Charlotte off screen say, you brought flowers? And there she is. It's CeCe Drake. She's leaning against the bell tower window frame there. She's just looking smug and badass right now. So glad to see her. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte says, is that why you wanted to see me? To welcome me home with flowers? And uh, Mona says, I couldn't give them to you in the hospital. Allison wouldn't let me. And Charlotte's like, why did you want to visit me? And Mona says, for the same reason you came here, to see if there's anything to worry about. I didn't visit, but I kept an eye on you. I watched for five years. 
five years of you making the doctors feel so clever with all the progress you were making. And Charlotte's just kind of taking this all in with like the occasional smirk or like fake surprise look. She's just so full of condescension right now. Mona's like, you played them all, the court, the lawyers, your own sister, but you couldn't fool me. And Charlotte's like, you always were the smart one, Mona, not Spencer. Zing. And it's like, that, did she really say that? Or are you just adding that into the flashback now? And Mona's, <laughs> Mona's like, like, shut up. <laughs> Go with it. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So Mona's like, now you're out. And you think you can start hurting people again? Well, I'm not going to let that happen. Charlotte's all patty. It's like, who's going to stop me? Y- you? And Mona's like, yes. Well, her, her fake concern here makes me think about her confession in 610 and how we've, we've kind of learned since then that like a lot of that may have happened, but she was really playing up like the maximum sob story effect. And I feel like mm-hmm. we're seeing Charlotte here maybe for the first time with the mask completely, truly off right now. This well, is, no one's watching. This is, too. Mona. this is Mona. She's talking to This is a fellow a, yeah, yeah, no one else is watching, so we're getting Charlotte unfiltered. Which I think is a detail that is totally forgotten from um, 610 when the liars are literally watching a TV show, filling them in on the, the villain of the, the Which piece. Which Charlotte knows they're watching, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all performance. Um, so Mona's putting on her most confident, tough face. Charlotte's dubious. And Charlotte's like, do you still see her when you look in the mirror? The... Uh, the loser, the pigtails, and the frumpy sweaters, because I see her. And Mona's like wilting like a flower, and Charlotte steps closer, gets in Mona's face. I see her right now. None of you are sure when you look in the mirror. None of you are really certain who you are. Mona, speechless, a little timid now. And Charlotte gets closer. I did that. I took that away from you. The same way everything was stolen from me. And now I'm back. And everything that happened before... <laughs> That's going to feel like a picnic. And she's just deliciously evil. She's sinisterly, beautifully evil. She turns her back on Mona, goes to the bell tower window, opens the door to look out on you know her kingdom, um, her queendom. And Mona's like, I won't let you do that to my friends. And Charlotte's like, oh, no one's going to believe you. Not only did you lose the game, but you lost the story. It's mine. Everything is mine. And she laughs and looks out, you know, out the window at her town, surveying it. She's like, God, I hate this town. I'm going to guess I'm going to have to do something about that, too. She's like full on like Mr. Burns. She's going to block out the fucking sun for a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, Mona looks around and while like Charlotte's back is turned, she spots something on the floor and picks it up. Like, Charlotte glances back and Mona has a large flathead screwdriver in her hand now. She's holding like a weapon to threaten Charlotte. And you get the thing from the trailer like, am I supposed to be afraid of you? Mona's like, you said no one would believe me. Charlotte's like, oh, sweet Mona, you don't have the guts. Mona tosses those flowers at Charlotte as she catches them. And was like, let's find out. Well, at this point, uh, Charlotte's looking at the flowers. Mona kind of moves in and spins her around. Flash, or the uh, screwdriver, like, digging into her back. When I first watched this, I was like, geez, Charlotte just kind of lets that happen. But I think as I watch the scene more, I'm like, oh, she lets it happen because she, like, is not scared at all at least in this moment right like she's like whatever like she's so unconcerned with mona here like she mona's pushing her right to the edge of like the bell tower window there and charlotte's just smirking like she's not scared 
Uh, no, right? because, she is. She's hiding extremely well. Yeah, she doesn't seem concerned at all. When she reveals to Mona her own inability to carry through this, it'll crush her even more. Yeah. Uh, so the, we see kind of the shot of the grass lawn looming 30 feet below, and Mona gets right up in Charlotte's ear, kind of pressing against her body there. And she's like, people will think you committed suicide your first night home. How sad. And digs a screwdriver deeper into Charlotte's back. Charlotte isn't smiling so much anymore because Mona sounds like she might really do it. And then we get a kind of an interesting cut here. It's almost like a POV shot from behind Mona in the belfry, kind of pulling away down the stairs. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but to me, what this kind of communicated to me visually was like, oh, is somebody is somebody else in the room? Somebody's coming. That, I heard voices. So that's you got that impression as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, obviously, that I feel like to me, that's the thing that I want is I want someone to show up. I well, it's I like want a that feeling. It's but, a reverse fake out, basically, is what it is. Yeah. But this is also PLO, where it was like the girls would have a conversation on one of their beds, and then the camera would just slowly like pull out of their room voyeuristically down the hall a little bit. There so, is that, but I feel like they're going for the reverse twist where, like, oh, you think there's going to be a wrinkle here, but actually there isn't. Yeah, that's what they're going for, apparently. Um, so then Mona says, jump, jump or I'll push you. Um, the ground kind of, first of all, most romantic season. Uh, the ground looms as the camera drifts out over the ledge. And Mona's like, I'm giving you more of a chance than you ever gave any of us. Maybe you'll land just right and live. A few broken bones and you get to send me to prison. It's possible. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about a lot of things, aren't you? And just then we cut the empty stairway. It's like footsteps sound, like sound on the stairs coming up, but but no one is there. Well, it's really curious because you're like, is this inside the flashback or have we left the flashback when we get this cut? Are they hearing the future in the past? How does that work? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, so we end the flashback as we cut back to Nerdy Mona and Hannah uh, as Nerdy Mona is also looking over at the stairs. Um, it's really interesting the way they cut this. Uh, Mona kind of looks over. Um, it's like she's coming out of a reverie and then suddenly there's Caleb on the stairs kind of rushing up to help Hannah and Mona's like, you're not going to trick me this time, which is another extremely curious line. Mm-hmm. And after a beat, uh, like she suddenly just grabs Hannah and tries to push her out the window, which I found pretty funny. Like, I feel like it's almost like a comedy moment because yeah. Hannah's like so surprised. By this. She's like, what? Hey, you know? <laughs> and Hannah just kind of gasps and like Caleb comes to rescue. He's like, Hannah, no. Uh, and Caleb kind of pushes Mona off Hannah and he's holding Hannah close. Mona falls to the floor with a cry and then Spencer rushes up to you and they're all just staring at Mona in shock. Hannah's like panting and just like stunned. And Hannah's like, Mona killed Charlotte. And Mona's slumped on the floor and she slowly puts her glasses back on as the others are watching. And, uh, and then she just goes back to stroking her ponytail like she's not really all there right now. Yeah, she's like, and she's like, not entirely aware of what's going on. Child nerdy mona yeah um I, I don't know the i i assume like i know you know word of god and everything marlene in an interview is like no 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 this is what happened um maybe she'll pull the rug out from under us but it really did seem like possibly somebody else was there on the flashback and we may not be getting like the full story or the true story yeah but i mean at the very least they really drug it out as long as they could yeah and they're still not done um so we cut to the, the church lawn down below. Hannah leads Mona by the arm as Caleb and Spencer trail. And Caleb's like, are you going to take her to the cops? 
And I was like, no, not in this condition. Hey, let me let me jump in real quick. So I was just thinking about this. Um, because when they're both talking about why they had to show up, at first I was thinking like, oh, is there another presence that called them here? Who had both Mona and Hannah, or not? Sorry, Mona and Charlotte on their payrolls. Ezra. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Um, I don't think we need to wait for the part two of this flashback, but I just want to say, like, I feel like one of the things that's missing, and one of the things that might have cushioned the blow. Well, let's 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 finish the scene, then let's have that talk because I have a lot of thoughts okay. too. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, are you going to take her to the cops? No, not in this condition. So they. They get closer to Hannah's car. They're surprised to find two more puzzle pieces like hanging from the side of your mirror like on a little string. And Mona's like, oh, I love puzzles. She <laughs> smiles. The rest of them are a little creeped out. Puzzle pieces look big enough to fill the rest of the board. Oh, shit, that's happening. All right, let's talk about Charlotte. I mean, this is as good a place to do it as any. We don't need to get to the uh, the second half of this, I don't think. So I feel like to cushion the blow of the now anti-redemptive nature of her mm-hmm. like that the, the redemption was all for show was all performance which is you know established in the text is that there wasn't a lot of I, I guess maybe if you'd done a little bit of like investigation in this five years forward stuff not just into her murder but like what were her last few days like you know more question of of how was she acting why was she going there i don't know like i think that's a good twist is like you know, like, oh, who killed Laura Palmer? What if Laura Palmer is like secretly this evil, like, you know, person or whatever? Like, it's a twist on that. But it's like it's it feels like it's out of nowhere that she's not really. But I don't know. I guess I'm arguing against myself here. Um, you yeah, know what I mean, mean well, the, the, here's here's my hot take, perhaps controversial, because I know a lot of people were upset about this kind of reveal that that charlotte does not get the redemptive arc you know and and her being the only transgender character on the show who's truly evil it turns out and not that doesn't get the the mona treatment basically Uh, and mona in fact is the one who dispatches her albeit accidentally um i feel like what the show is trying to communicate here is mona played with dolls charlotte played with body parts um, Mona had also issues established in the text. Yeah. Mona had issues, no mistake, but I feel like the, the thesis that they're presenting is that Mona could recover and Charlotte, you know, could not, or did not want to, um, which is very problematic. Obviously Charlotte's the only transgender character. There's all these kind of bad tropes and representation that surround that. And I don't mean to brush that aside, but I feel like that ship sailed two years ago and mm. the show maybe just didn't want to like fully acknowledge it until now. Because Big A, like as as we knew Big A before we learned who Big A was, Big A was a psychopath. Uh, she kidnapped the liars and Mona, tortured them for weeks. Um, and I think when we watched Six Ten, one of her big complaints was that when it aired was that like this was like a really tragic story about this mistreated person, and it doesn't really feel like she's A, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like wow, that was a really sad story about Charlotte. Also, she's A. It doesn't really feel like they're the same person. Um, and so I think what we're seeing right now is this is they're they're kind of finally acknowledging, yes, this is Charlotte as she truly is. Like she's a malevolent sociopath, uh, which is unfortunate that this is the only transgender character on the show. And they decided to make that character the malevolent sociopath. But I don't think it's not supported in the text. Um, it almost seems like they're kind of trying to have it their own way and, in, in, you know, kind of have their cake and eat it, too, by not really stressing this until now. 
I don't know if they really did themselves any favors. Um, Cause I mean, we've seen, you know, we saw the torture. We know that she was working with Dunhill previously. We know she was faking her recovery. Uh, it's not like we didn't know this was eventually going to kind of come out. Like unless they did like a complete retcon and we're like, Oh, it was all, you know, Charlotte's alive. She was never a bad person. She was like, just like taking the blame for someone else. Unless they did that. This was always at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but to get it again, it's kind of like salt in the wounds. I don't really yeah. know how you avoid it, though, otherwise. Well, and, and her, her tragic confessional in 610, which, again, is somewhat performative, though I don't think she's necessarily lying about like the shittiness of Ken and all that. I um, think she's she's fudging the truth here and there. But, yeah, I think in general, her, her shitty life is mostly true, I would say. But they... We, we make jokes about it, but she glosses over stuff that she did. But with, did she but die? Did you die? <laughs> and I, I, I really love now in retrospect that six eleven five years later, you really do see for, for the first of several times, Arya break down and mm-hmm. talk about the lasting wounds from just a little bit of that even. So yeah, you're right. Charlotte's never, not a, going to end totally as this totally innocent, sweet person, but when I, I find yeah. myself torn, like I, I don't want to, you know, do like transgender erase or anything. But at the same time, I'm like, what if she just wasn't transgender though? Like, it would, it would be so much less problematic, you know. Like, what if uh, another character, like say Sabrina, was a transgender character who was not a psychopathic supervillain? Well, um, then cycle in. And I want to, I want to know if we can get an actual reading on this. It's true, or it's just a dumb rumor from the internet. But wasn't there like the rumor that like originally it was it was Allison who was going to die in in the the flash forward? Yeah, yeah, they did talk about that. Mm-hmm. So if that was Allison who died, like all of this changes, you know well, what I mean? Like it would have been so easy to make CC Drake the angry, mistreated daughter of Mary Drake, mm-hmm. and and not have the whole transgender aspect to it. She still could have been in in Radley and whatnot, and other stuff could have happened, but. And and then she just like turned out to be a crazy person without being having, you know, the only transgender character on the show be the crazy person. Yeah, I mean, you you have a very interesting story, and Heather Hogan sums it up the best about, you know, men trying to control women's bodies and stuff like that in the 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 Charlotte story as we get by the end of six ten. But yeah, exactly right. I mean, you don't need the charles stuff to get her there especially if you're going to bring mary drake in because i remember us talking in our like seven hours uh 620 podcast about how it felt like for any of the missteps of 6b mary drake was the patch and that's the way you're going to fix a lot of this stuff um obviously you know (laughs) that created some its own own bugs and features um and in a way it it does kind of feel like they were kind of as long as possible holding out this idea that like Hey, maybe there's another version of the story. You know, maybe Charlotte isn't as guilty as we thought. Maybe there's a whole other explanation for things. Maybe she's still alive. And then, no. Well, but still, this is uh, this is all easy after the fact stuff. Too, we're still missing a huge something or other. Wait, you know, mind two hours you, for TV. Yeah, we have like, one more yeah. episode. They could just be like, zoink. Archer was Charles the whole time. Ha ha ha. Retcon. Charlotte's still alive, despite what you just saw. Yeah, it was a mask. Yeah. The, 
I don't think that's going to happen. Go with it. (laughs) I'm Lucas. Fuck. Holes. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to dismiss the complaints about it because I I think they're real. I guess for me, I'd, I'd kind of already processed this mentally that Charlotte was the villain as much as we would like her not to be. She is, you know, um, and that she is different from Mona in that specific way. Whereas Mona was just not as, as brutal. Mona had a chance for recovery and Charlotte didn't want it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is you, you do have to take some acknowledgement if you can in your own treatment, you know? Um, well, I think if you if you go with that, acknowledging the the issues there, Charlotte is an excellent villain. Like to see her fully unleashed like this, like Vanessa Ray is killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it really feels like this is like a true clash of the A's here, and you're seeing yeah. you know the the dark and the light. That's the part of them right now. Like yeah. I, I found this very satisfying in a way. I feel like we were finally seeing big a for the first time mm-hmm. oh yeah she's not it's not putting on a show you know she's not doing anything that will you know feed into her defense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing is being recorded here this is her being for realsies and like there's a small small part of me that almost wants to be like yeah it's a flashback and we've seen stuff happen but fuck it whoopsie doopsie there goes mona out the window she's dead and charlotte <laughs> takes over like i almost want to see like the the finale is like the alternate the uh, universe thing where charlotte survived and she just fucking owns this town like she I mean, wears like a glove i do have to say like even now i still wonder was charlotte intentionally taking the fall for somebody else because it, it really felt like that way in 610 with the people packing up the place and whatnot. Like, I, I still wonder if there's a little more to this story. I just have to wonder now of all of that stuff, especially with like Tanner elevating her, her investigation, all of that stuff was just part of her plan. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put a pin in this. I'm going to get myself on the record as being this person, some acknowledgement for my power, my prowess. I'm going to do the whole five-year thing where I, I'm in treatment or whatever. You know, I'm putting all my stuff in storage to resume the game in a couple years. Uh, I'm going to do this whole thing where I, <laughs> I beat the system from the inside just to see if I can. And then I'm going to fuck these people anew. Yeah, I guess, uh, that, I guess that is one way you could play it, that she planned to get out. She already had Archer lined up. Yeah. And so, yeah, she, she packed her shit up. She was going to confess, get out, Especially and continue. We now know where she met Archer. Although, what was with the bomb then? I guess that's the only question there. She's like, ah, Shara Harvey's a fucking moron. She'll still screw it up. Hey, what? Oh, no, it's you. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple takes of Emily punching her. Man, I I haven't looked at the IMDb, and I don't know if it's like even correct or not, but could could we get one more Shara Harvey scene? That's all I want. If we got room for another Rick scene, Mm -hmm. another shower scene. Also, Absolutely. I laughed when someone tweeted the IMDb thing like, well, why does Ezra need a stunt double? It's like, I just love that. So you can tackle Arya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, after the commercial, we are back in uh, the room at the Lost Woods Resort there. The gang is all assembled. Ezra's there. And he's like, we should turn her over to the police. Spencer's like, not like this. Mona's just sitting there on the couch behind them, catatonic. 
And uh, Allie says she killed Charlotte and she tried to kill Hannah. Obviously, Allie has some uh, some some uh, stake in this game, you know, some skin in this well, game. We, we don't really get a lot of that, though. No, we don't. Like, that's the thing is, I am utterly fascinated by how well some of the balls in this episode are juggled. Um, I feel like we get more about Mary and Allie than we do about Charlotte and Allie, but yeah. Yeah, we get we get we get Mary, we get Simona, uh, we get Caleb, and like the final. I mean, I, I don't even know if we needed another resolution to Spaleb, but another resolution to, to Spaleb. And it's like maybe if like an extra half an hour, fifteen minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> make this a five-hour podcast. Totally. Yeah, uh, we also we, we get like Arya stuff. It's like again, Allison. Allison is the character that I feel like you just you have to keep working her into every scene, and it doesn't always work. And then when it when it does kind of work we're all complaining about i think they do a pretty good job in this episode at least compared to the others this season yeah but so ali's saying you know she killed charlotte she tried to kill hannah and hannah's like she didn't know who i was spencer says i'm not turning her over to tanner like this some enhanced interrogation and mona could be gone forever oh it's like they care yeah and we cut to aria who has like a little smirk on her face for some reason looking at mona and as there's like I'm surprised they don't pan over to Emily, who's like got a bigger smirk on her face, like fuck her. Yeah, he's like, fuck that bitch. Uh, yeah, Ezra's like, that may have already happened. And Allie's like, why is she dressed like that? I like how that bothers Allie. Like it almost reminds Allie of like her bullying days. Yeah. Like seeing nerdy Mona is like kind of annoying to Allie, just in general. And Spencer says she went back to her uh, safe place. The one place before everything went wrong where the worst she had to worry about was you being mean to her in the cafeteria. Now it's just like, wow, I didn't appreciate that. I appreciate you, that. Hey, you never go to your safe space without your face on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Arya says, we could call Dr. Sullivan. She should take Mona the police. She can explain. And Spencer's like, it's a good idea. Good old Dr. Yes, Sullivan. Because I know she's still A. I know she is. I just need another adrenalized hyperreality monologue from her to explain everything away. I would be so happy if all these years later I was right about Sullivan being A. That's my one regret when we were there. Again, I know it says before. Sorry, broken record. Fuck off. Are um, you A? I really wanted to say that to Hannah Beth Gish. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Are you A? You can mm. tell me. <laughs> yeah, so then uh, the door opens and they turn to see Caleb walking in. And Allie's like, did you get it? And he's like, yeah. I put it in the cabin one. Emily is watching it. Hey, that's where the evil shower is. And Spencer says, can you stay here with Ezra and watch Mona? And Ezra has like kind of a funny reaction to this. Like he, he considers it like impertinent, you know? Yeah. And Caleb's like, sure. So the girls all leave and Mona just kind of waves at them on the couch. I love the wave from Mona. It's great. Yeah. But poor Mona for so many, so many reasons. But now she has to be left under the wash while I have these two dildos. Did you catch just like the framing of Caleb and Ezra at the end of the scene here? Walking There's just it. something weird about the shot of them. Like Caleb's kind of like right behind Ezra. And they're both kind of staring right at the camera. Um, and it just tickles my like Ezra and Caleb are a funny bones. I don't know. If, I don't know. It probably means nothing, but it seems like we're, we're making sure to get the reactions to things in every scene in this episode. So that would be okay. Let's, let's just, for shits and giggles let's sure. walk down that dark avenue billy and fucking stew here mm-hmm. <laughs> playing the long game secretly a somewhere in a flashback ezra's like listen here caleb 
I've got a doctorate in American literature. Look, and if, I think if seven twenty ends with these two assholes stabbing each other, high fives to Marlene. You shouldn't have stabbed me so hard. <laughs> you stabbed me in the fucking yeah. Hit me with the fucking phone, dick. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be. You cut me too deep, man. But like, I think I'm dying here. The impassioned speech from from Ezra, like Caleb's, like, why are we becoming AD again, Ezra? Because the patriarchy has taken a couple blows, Caleb, and we need we need to, you know. Hey, I'm just saying, bros before hoes, right? And Caleb's like, "Mm, I don't know if I like this holes. Um. Yeah, anyways, in the other room, we're going to cut to the last pieces of the puzzle getting fit into the game board there to reveal just a weird face with like a spider web over it. What the fuck is this? Uh, I fucking did it again. I am so sorry, whoever whoever tweeted at us mm. with the what if it was um just like an ultrasound of twins. Oh, yeah, I like that one. I love that idea. Like I, that would... It would make me fucking love Twincer, or uh, I know as as Benji prefers it, Spenceriata. But like, fuck you. This <laughs> is this supposed to be a Bethany Young drawing? Like, what is, is this a clue? Like, like in Seven Eleven, we're like, oh shit, can't wait to see what the puzzle is. And Didn't now we're we... like, huh, okay. Well, did we joke last week that like? If they do this thing as the whoever extrapolated via internet means, like, is somebody gonna be like? Huh, it reminds me of the art of Bethany Young. Like, <laughs> no one says that, so I don't know. Like, oh, even the puzzle itself, like the on the left side, there's four pieces, and on the right side, there's only two. It's like AD themselves is like, fuck, let's just get this over with. What the fuck do you want from me? I created a semi sentient AR, AI, beautiful machine like, is this gonna be paid off is this gonna mean anything at all or are we just gonna be left scratching our heads like sure yeah i cut a single corner a corner made of cardboard get off my fucking ass <laughs> i just wonder if doherty is just like i got it puzzle pieces this is gonna be a great framing device for the last half of the season and like half the other episodes are like ah, we forgot about the puzzle pieces whatever I don't know. I just I assume that this image is going to mean something intensely wonderful. But yeah, I mean, I, mean, I hope so. Did you see the thing? There's like a stock photo somewhere that kind of sort of maybe looks like this, but not really. I, I doubt they're actually related, but. Mm, mm. <laughs> do you remember the uh, stock photo of Sarah Harvey? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, but like everything about the board and like what it means for potential narrative is so cool. I mean, the puzzle pieces is such a great idea to add into the, everything else in the mm-hmm. game. But then. Like, just, you know, like, your gut reaction, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a creepy image. I just wanted the liars to just stand around and be like, huh, uh, I don't know, does that mean anything to you, Arya? No. Emily, does that look like anything to you? All right, you're a weird art person. Interpret this for us. (laughs) I don't know, Spencer. Just looks like some weird-ass random drawing of a face with spider webs. Is it a face? Look, if you turn it upside down, you got to squint. You got to squint and relax your eyes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's um, like 3D. Just, yeah, relax your eyes. <laughs> it's a schooner. It's a pirate ship. Yeah. Um, so immediately uh, a bell chimes on the board. And then he's like, does that mean we won? So the liars and Allison are all staying. I like how I think we both do this. We always write the liars and Allison. 
<laughs> like even we don't include her in the gang. In your fucking face, Allie. Sorry. No, Allie. <laughs> Allie. I've always felt like she's separate, and I don't mean that necessarily like to like I don't know deny her or anything, but she she just is. Like she's never fit in the same way as the rest of them. I mean, right I, down to her in Emily's dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching them working in perfect unison to build the barricade, which yeah. is like that's why I I have no problems with that dream sequence because to me, again, also if it's Allison's dream, if we're inside Allison's head in her most honest, p- confused place, it's such a, a metaphor for the show and her her how she fits into this world. But how ballsy would it have been? How awesome if you have this new five years forward opening of the five of them, and then Allison still died at the start of six eleven. But like you keep her in the opening, like she's still a central part, like she was before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think you that stick was... with the original opening in that case. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but you know, you, you have to throw in uh, Shay Mitchell because and it being too sexy. So yeah, the liars and Austin are all standing around the game, which is tangent we started from. Uh, it's on the bed in the other room. Spencer holds out the game phone over the puzzle. Spencer says, "We got those pieces after Hannah found out that Mona killed Charlotte." Suddenly the game whirs to life and congratulations spins onto the game phone screen. The game's like chiming like a slot machine just got fucking hit. And on the screen we see claim the grand prize. There's a little drum roll. And then the Welby staff badge for Rick appears on the phone. And Spencer shows us to the others. And Allison's like, the body. And Ari's like, whatever Tanner has, she doesn't have the body. Um, and he's like, then where is it? And the phone reads, the eyes have it. Maybe that's where the, you know, it abides the heart. So Spencer holds it over the weird face puzzle and it starts like scanning the puzzle for laser and with the like, fucking laser. Yeah. Then super awesome. A little AR black hoodie figure appears on the screen. It's kind of adorable. I want the Funko pop of this standing on the puzzle. Um, and like they lean closer and watch the phone. It's a little black hoodie like sneaks off in these exaggerated high steps. And our hand is like, what is it? A flipping cartoon. And Spencer's like, it's augmented reality. And AD, it's like AD already got answer. Yeah, AD already got their hands on iOS 11 beta here. Like, what? I just, uh, I, I have some questions about this. Well, like, from a technology perspective, Seven B is fucking fascinating. Like, were like they just this? like fuck text messages? We're getting as ridiculously high tech as we possibly can. Well, I, I, again, I'm the guy who really did enjoy the big words on the screen, a la like Sherlock, but like AR, hypersentient game boards, the Avataria, like the tech stuff is so fresh and interesting to me. Um, I mean, I always liked like the, you know, season five when we started talking about blue snarfing, but that kind of feels like someone did some like sleepy late night Googling, <laughs> just kind of caught up on late AD tech. is just like, you can't trace an app. Yeah. yeah, but this shit is super. Well, here comes Lucas with his app that tells you about ladies' feet and bathrooms. Mm. Um, but like, <laughs> it's an app that tells you which bathrooms in your area have secret passageways. <laughs> yeah, this little animated AR black hoodie sneaks its way over from the the game board puzzle to the mystery location, and then suddenly, like on screen, a little house like rises up out of the mystery location. And then it's labeled Aunt Carol's. And then Allie's like, Aunt Carol? My Aunt Carol? And he's like, we've been all over that place. Where did you hide a body there? And they all look at each other like, ah, oh, fuck. And yeah. so, of course, we cut to a misty lawn in the dark. 
The camera's tracking through some fog to a lone tombstone on a mound there. Of course, it's the grave of Charles, beloved son. Remember when they blew up the fucking uh, basement here? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I, I just want to say real quick, I tend not to believe the CC was never Charles theories, mm-hmm. but it is curious that Rick's final resting place is in Charles's grave. I mean, of course, if Rick were actually Charles, that would mean like Allie's been fucking her cousin the whole time. So, you know, do with that what you will. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. But like, uh, I can we get a, like a verdict? Was Rick actually really like emotionally attached to Charlotte? Did he actually have real feelings for her? Like a non-cozy so. psychopath way? Okay. So basically he's lying in the grave of his like, of his love or whatever. I guess, but, yeah. This is a this is a grave that's been dug up twice now, <laughs> first by Ken, and now by these ladies. Um, so they're all there with shovels, because of course they have shovels. And Spencer's like, "Take a symbolic grave and make it a real one." Allison's like, "Points for irony." Allie is like, very chill sick. about all this. Well, like I said, there's just not enough room for her to have like the emotional stake that I feel like she should. Well, she just learned that Mona killed her sister slash cousin, and she's just like bygones. I'm going to be a little Zen detached for the yeah. rest of those guys. Wake me. Also, I'm on like 50 hours of no sleep. So, and I'm pregnant. So, you know, whatever I've been gassed. Um, so Hannah's, you know, like points for being really sick. She says in regard to Allison's line. And then he says, we get him out of here and we get rid of him. And that's it. Uh, English major or no English major. So from each side of the grave, Allie and Spencer, you know, shove their spades into the dirt. All right. It's like, guys, well, guys. Real, real quick. I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, what did they tell Ezra and Caleb? Were they like, hey, Nothing. guys, they just left. We're going to be back. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And number two, um, just a million LOLs at Emily making Allie, her pregnant girlfriend, be the one to do the digging. Emily's like, I'm going to stand around with my fucking arms crossed. Allie, you man the shovel. Well, Emily. Unlike Caleb, doesn't care if her uh, her lady goes get down some holes. Um, <laughs> Emily's like, I just had a manicure. Sorry. <laughs> but so, like, it's right currently at this very moment, is Ezra like going over to cabin one and being like, "Ladies, I'm gonna do a coffee run." Wait, they're not here, Caleb. They're not here. Fine. <laughs> Everyone's getting mochas. I don't want to hear any complaints. And then Dirty Mona breaks her catatonia to be like, uh, "Let me list down everyone's coffee orders, including you two, right now." That would make an amazing cut there. And then cut the kit to Toby still is passed out. Yeah. <laughs> Only now he's pooped. Um, She's like, sorry, Ezra, you get the decaf latte that you pretend isn't decaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I noticed. Caleb, you get the unicorn. Yeah. Um, Arya's like, guys, guys, just wait a minute. And he was like, wait for what? I was like, do we really want to do this? And I was like, nobody wants to do it, Arya, but we have to. And I was like, do we? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I says, I can't do this anymore. I've had enough. Every single time we do this, the only graves that get dug are ours. And it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? And I was like, walk away. Leave Archer Dunhill to the worms. Mm. And then he's like, don't we have to be sure that he's down there? And Allie's like, well, what do we do if he isn't? And I was like, don't you see? It doesn't end. If we want to stop the crazy, we have to stop acting crazy. Crazy and scared. So they consider this, and Spencer, who's been quiet thus far, speaks up, says, she's right. If we don't walk away right now, we might as well just crawl down there with him. 
Emily's like, are you serious? Spencer nods, and Hannah's like, eh, if we don't walk away, we'll end up just like Mona. Uh, so Hannah leaves, and the rest follow one by one. Spencer's last to go, tosses out an epitaph for Rick first, you know. Uh, I never can do the Latin right, but, you know, basically R.I.P. Resequat and Pace or something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, what if this was actually Twincer saying this to her dead brother, Charles? Hmm? I think uh, Sherlock had half of that feel. Sherlock did not the dead brother part, but it is. I don't know. I, I think it's just Spencer being Spencer rather than any special emotional connection there. Hmm. So to leave the grave unspoiled, wouldn't it look like, wouldn't it be freshly disturbed? If I just buried a, again, AD is fucking AD, man. They probably like did the whole thing with the shovel where you just dig like a whole patch of grass and roll it out of the way so you can replace it. It's the reverse drinking someone's milkshake mm-hmm. of a dead body being forced on the ground. Then again, there's also the idea that, you know, maybe just maybe there was never a body in Arya's trunk, mm-hmm. uh, which I should get a chance to talk to Joseph Doherty. I hope he, he refuses to answer that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a spinning top from Inception, folks. Anyway, so they leave the grave unspoiled. Spencer walks up to the rest of the waiting group and then they trudge on through the fog unbroken. That the top um, isn't the uh, totem, the ring is. I just have to point that out. Sorry. Cool. Um, suddenly, a loud engine revs, too big for a car. They all jump, a little startled. Bright lights suddenly shine on them. Big bulldozers are rumbling through the trees at them. The liars just like stand and watch, like shielding their eyes from the light as the bulldozer raises up its like shovel front, and a bunch of people walk in from behind from the sides with their own flashlights, and Tanner's with them. Liars are like, fuck, we're boned. And Tanner's like, you ladies need any help? And the girls say nothing, doing their best to act totally chill. Which, again, kind of a nice, really cool callback to uh, the end of 2A. Oh, with the shovels and, yeah. 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 Well, think about the work that Tanner put in to accomplish this kind of, like, presentation with the bulldozer. Like this she's, is she's got her uniform cops there, and they're like, "Okay, we see them. They're at the grave. Do you want us to take them?" And Tanner's like, "No, no, 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 no. Let's get that bulldozer in here. Yeah, just yeah. wait. Just wait. Trust me. Just wait." Okay, they come this way. Everybody, go. Well, it's like it's the ultimate like surprise party showmanship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These twenty-five people, like the fact that these liars had no idea. It's like the Mounties. They all get their man. <laughs> Tanner's like, it's funny how none of my cases end quietly. They always end like this. <laughs> I do. I, but you know, previously before they, they got uh, caught here, I really like they, they finally refused to keep playing the game and they found their salvation. You know, the only winning move was not to play. It's a nice thematic moment at work. Like they finally learned to just stop after seven fucking years. Which is cool. And then a year later, <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see. Game again. Well, I, I guess we we don't know if there's going to be a game necessarily. We'll have to see how the finale plays. But I, I do I, feel like that this is a very specific, intentional thematic moment here. Like this had to happen for the liars. Yeah, I think it's important. It's it's their choice because I think a lot of these things, when you're in a bad situation, it's sometimes not just that it ends. It's that if you don't make the choice to be involved in that ending, like it's gonna fuck you for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is this is pretty cool. It feels like a very mature ending, you know. Um, in this particular scene, it also feels like they're about to go to jail. Yeah. So after the commercial, 
flyers are all in that lineup room at the Rosa PD station. They're just standing around, no bracelets yet. So the the shot that opens this scene, it, we're kind of behind Spencer panning around as she's apart from the other liars. We see them all there. I'm just gonna say one more time, like a broken lyric record. Getting a little bit of twins or vibes here. Not quite at the level of the airport scene or Toby in the cabin, but some little, little vibes. Just saying. Somebody just put it on a shirt. Give it to him. <laughs> Somebody just bash me over the head he's, and bury me in my own grave. Yeah. He's not gonna stop until you do. No, he's like not. a little like a little yappy dog. Just, just gonna run out that newspaper and just bop him in the face. I'm just gonna run out in the middle of the traffic, just screaming like Twincer, Twincer, it's fucking sp- Twincer, look at her watch. If you don't do it, like a little yappy dog, he's just gonna start humping your leg like one would, I don't know, hump a car. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so Arya says, Ezra and Caleb are gonna wonder what happened. They're going to start looking for us. <laughs> and at least like, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, picture that. Those two assholes. I bet they don't ever find them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were gone? Sorry, Caleb and I drank all the coffee. Caleb's like, let's start checking rest stop bathrooms. And like, like, that checks out. I'd like to uh, cut to them. Like they found some dice from somewhere and they're like playing the game. Like the liars will meant and moving game pieces around. And then Mona beats them. You got to draw four. Yeah. And then Mona crushes them. Mona, like, I just picture, like, the like the joke of, like, the checkers thing where she's just, like, hop, 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 Exactly. Hop. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> Anyways, Alec, Mo, Emily's saying, won't be hard like, to find Caleb, us. You can't play as Hannah and Spencer. That's just, oh. Mm-hmm. Hashtag yeah. hand stuff. Holes. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> So Emily says, won't be hard to find us. And Allie says, guys, what are we going to do? And Spencer's like, tell the truth. And she's not even looking at them. She's just staring at the wall. And Hannah's like, how will telling the truth now get us off? And Spencer's just kind of staring off a while longer. And then she finally kind of blinks and looks sadly at Hannah. And she says, we're not going to get off. I love that. I love this moment. It's such a low-key highlight of the episode for me. It's like, this isn't quite like reconciling with the Jenna thing. But I feel like the liars are... They're facing their music for once. They're taking responsibility here. Like there is no scheme or plan. Like this is it. Oh, I just want to say real quick. Sorry, because uh, you made me think of that. Um, I like that in the the trailer for the finale, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk to for about 45 minutes at the end of this. I like that Mona is almost like the Mona thing from all this. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Emily says, so this is it. And Ali says, well, maybe when they hear Mona, we'll get some mercy. And Arya says, police aren't interested in mercy. They want justice. But Pictunia only wants vengeance. And then Spencer kind of sighs. Just like, yeah, and justice is a blindfolded bitch. The classic Spencer line. And they're just kind of stewing. And then the door opens and just a smug as fuck Tanner walks in. Fuck yeah. Tanner's like, the body at the farm has been tenably identified as Archer Dunhill. These girls' poker faces are so fucking legit right now. Like, Tanner gets nothing from them. And Tanner says, make yourselves comfortable. There's something I have to do, and then we'll talk. And she leaves. The girls, like, once she's gone, they can finally, like, let out all their pent-up stress. And Hannah's like, make yourselves comfortable? God, she's a riot. Uh, Just then, lights come on in the room on the other side of the one-way mirror that they're in, or that they're, you know, in the room with. Uh, We can see inside that room, uh, Mary Drake is there. The liars can see her. Mary presumably cannot see the liars. Mary's sitting at the interrogation table. And Emily's like, what is she doing here? And Spencer's like, I don't know. 
and they all kind of drift closer to watch through their one-way mirror. Tanner walks into Mary's room with a manila envelope or, or folder, and she kind of comes and sits right across from Mary. Tanner says, and of course the liars can hear somehow, I have the typed copy of your statement. I'd like to go over the major points one more time. And Mary's like, of course. Well, and she takes a deep breath. I killed Dar- Archer Dunhill. I ran him over with a car that I stole, and I buried his body in the woods. Later, I moved it to where I told you you'd find it. How did Mary know where the body was? That's what I'd like to know. Mm-hmm. Is she just following them around the whole time and steal the body herself? I mean, it did seem in that first scene with her and Spencer that mm-hmm. she was planning to, to do this, I guess. Maybe. She's like, I'm just going to go follow the short one. Yes. The short one. She scares me. I follow at a distance. Uh, but then, of course, you know, re-enter your jokes about Rick being like Bernie. <laughs> Everyone just sneaking him around. Or I guess the Trouble of Harry would be probably the more appropriate reference. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, Mary's like, uh, Tanner says, why'd you kill Dunhill? And Mary's like, he was not a good man. He tricked me into helping him steal from my own family. He was an imposter. He was planning to kill my niece. The liars are all watching some shock. Emily like puts a comforting hand on Allison's shoulder. Mary says, "Well, they're like, oh told- yeah, by the way, Allie, that's your aunt and your mom. Yeah, yeah remember? <laughs> remember when you guys painted that wall together?" Um, and Mary's like, "He told me if I tried to stop him, he would tell the sister, tell the police I killed my sister." Tanner's like, "Did you murder Jessica De Laurentiis?" And she slowly nods, her face kind of frozen in pain. She whispers. Yes. Which is that not, not the statement? Do you have to go retype the statement? Um, I assume so I assume this to, is all in the statement and she's just like going over it for our benefit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Showmanship. But again, wouldn't Mary be like, this is kind of redundant, don't you think? Um, we got to Allison who's like totally shocked and sad because no one had told her. Spencer and Aria. <laughs> no one told her up. the whole time. Like, like I, I want to say. There was like a line like six episodes ago where Emily was just like, don't tell Allie, not in her condition. And they're like, whatever. We were going to tell her anyways. We didn't do anything with Allison in her condition per Emily's orders. Mary's like, that's how Dunhill made me do things. I had to kill him. Then I tried to cover it up. Tanner's like, how? Spencer looks down, you know, tears welling up. Mary's like, I arranged with someone to make it look like Dunhill was still alive. Allison retreats from the group. M like lets her go be alone. Arya like follows to comfort her. And Tanner's like, who was your accomplice? Mary's like, I'm not going to tell you. That person had no idea what I'd done. The only thing they were guilty of was helping someone in trouble. So it's just having all of the emotions, all of them. Mary takes the weight, protects her. Tanner throws in, do you know why your niece and her friends were at that farm tonight? Mary says, they must have figured out it was me. You were getting ready to accuse them. They had to do something. Now let me ask you this. Do you think Tanner knows that Mary is Spencer's mom? I would think that would be in whatever she inherited from uh, Marco. I don't know. I kind of suspect that maybe Marco did not include that and kept that to himself. Because if I was Tanner in this moment, I would think, oh, you're taking all the blame for your daughter. And, And I'd be suspicious and I wouldn't. I'd pursue further, but if I did not know that, I'd be much less likely to assume that. All right. Do you, 
excuse me, do you uh, not perceive that Tanner's fully aware of the liar's guilt and all this? Somewhat, but I feel like if she knew there was like, like, oh, that's your mom, Spencer, that's like an extra layer that like she's gonna she's gonna push a little harder to try to like rope Spencer into this. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think whether she knows that detail or not, it won't really change what she does here. True. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, I guess I feel like she wouldn't let this go quite this easily if she knew that Spencer was Mary's daughter. So, you know, Tanner regards Mary for a moment, slides this folder over to her with the statement. She's like, please read over your statement carefully, correct any mistakes. Gives her a pen, stands to leave. And Mary's like, thank you. Spencer's watching this, just like completely gutted out. Um, back up in that lineup room, Tanner re-enters. Spencer's like wiping her eyes. Tanner's like, you're free to go. I'm sorry for any inconvenience. And Emily's like, what? <laughs> Tanner's like, Mary Drake confessed to killing Archer Dunhill and her own sister. Her statement is full of credible details about getting the car repair and taking a shower in Spencer's barn, which accounts for blood evidence and glass fragments and plot holes. And I was like, so you're just going to let us go? Tanner's like, well, you haven't done anything wrong. Have you? Have you? <laughs> Spencer like glares, looking hatefully almost at Tanner, says nothing. Ari's like, you used to think so up until recently. And Tanner's like, the district attorney's a simple man. He's no Marsha Clark. He likes his cases drawn in bold, straight lines. I can give him Mary Drake and a logical story about her and Dunhill, or I can give him a box of loose ends with theories that might be true. That no one could ever prove. This feels yeah. like such a meta line about the show's fans and their theorizing right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, I know which version he wants. So she's like, do you believe Mary? Tanner's like, I am convinced that Mary Drake is guilty of at least one homicide. She did kill her sister, and that's enough to send her where she can hurt no one ever again. And she says, do you believe that she killed Archer Dunhill? Which, Spencer, what the hell? Spencer wants to know. Gift horse, I. Tanner's like, what I believe and what I can prove are two different things. Um, so just looks crushed. This is a bitter pill salt. So, so she knows full fucking well that these girls are more guilty than they're letting on. But so whether it's the, the mother or not, you know, I think Tanner could appreciate the the sad poetic note of Mary jumping on this grenade for her daughter hmm. and her niece and her crazy friends. Um, so Tanner's like, go home. You're not criminals. Not really. Try and remember that. <laughs> I love that. I like how she gives a special glance to Arya when she says that. LOL. She's like, by the way, I've seen that, that report you didn't file. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, I know you murdered Shauna. Yeah. <laughs> I knew at the moment I talked to that fucking boyfriend of yours. Yeah. Oh, God. I just remember that scene of Tanner and Ezra's apartment. It's fucking showboating. Anyway, yeah. So the rest of the liars file out. Spencer remains behind watching Tanner. And then Tanner leaves too. Through the, min- the, the window, we see that Mary's literally just signed her fate. Outside in the hall, Tanner's leaving when Spencer comes out to stop her. And she's like, Lieutenant Tanner, I want to talk to her. Please. And Tanner's like, it's better if you don't. See, I think she knows. I think she knows Maybe. Well. I don't know. Tanner walks off, uh, you know, exuant Tanner. Um, Ari's like, she does for you. Don't ask her to explain. Spencer can only watch as Mary's like let out of the interrogation room down the hall, escorted by the police. Still Holds no handcuffs her- on. I find that suspicious. Yeah. I also Hold find up- leaving a pen with uh, Mary Drake without handcuffs on by herself in a room a little suspicious. Hey, if. If we cut to her in a jail cell one year later and she's got like the bed flipped over because she's doing like Linda Hamilton, yes. like mm-hmm. pull ups, I am here for it. Um, 
and then the robots come for her and she's like it's happening again come um, with me if you want to live oh shit Toby oh a, shit you forgot I was in this episode Toby in like a biker outfit with sunglasses or or is it like the portal from the future opens and a ridiculously jacked no con shows up and crouching like, down I, naked yeah I need your clothes <laughs> Um, so anyways, I need Mary your Holtz. boots, your clothes, and your motorcycle. <laughs> that would explain a lot about uh, Keegan Allen. Um, so yeah, Mary holds up her finger to her mouth, assigns Spencer. She becomes the new shusher. Um, then she's she led away. She shushes them. <laughs> yeah. Led away. Liars all watch her go. Tear rolls down Spencer's cheek, but she accepts his fate. It's, it's as good. I like it. I mean, this is what Mary's here for, right? It's tidy enough, but not without a cost. Um, like, I, like I said, I feel like she's the patch. I, <laughs> she's she's doing her job. My only complaint about this, and it's really just a complaint of presentation, I wish they had not shown that first Marion Spencer scene as one of the sneak peek scenes. Because I feel like as soon as you saw that, you were like, oh, she's giving Spencer and Allie the Lost Woods because she's going to do something you know, rash and uh, self-sacrificing to save the liars. Like I feel like it made the outcome kind of obvious. Uh, once again, the fucking marketing department, like who also released a still of Mona in the bell tower with the flowers. Like what the fuck? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, with, with also the shot of them all in the lost woods, like confronting her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, come on yeah. marketing. <laughs> They're just like, Oh man, we're going to go to all this effort to keep everything a secret. And then like six days before the episode airs, we're going to like, give you all these clues where you can figure out what's going to happen. I just don't understand it. It's almost like the writers have to plot around their own marketing department <laughs> to make this a success. I'm um, amazed that nothing has really leaked so far about the finale. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hey, well, well you know, some time. stills for the next episode are going to come out tomorrow. And it's just like, oh, look, it's Melissa in a hoodie or something. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, here's what I'm saying. Freeform, if you're listening, and I'm sure you're not, the only thing you should put out is pictures of Addison Derringer. Yes. <laughs> and and Ren of a silenced pistol. Addison Derringer waving her hand in the Jenna thing's face. Uh, I don't know yeah, why so, that's happening, but I need it. Yeah, I, I'm, I need that on a t-shirt. I'm the yappy dog who needs that on a t-shirt. Um, so back at the Lost Woods, Mona's still chilling in her old nerdy Mona attire. Liars, Caleb and Ezra have all returned to form an extended liar hall on the other side of the room facing Mona. So she comes forward, kneels down to talk to her because she's the Mona whisperer. And she's like, we called Dr. Sullivan and she's going to be here in a few hours. You're going to be okay. They, they actually care about her. How nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fucking caring of like her health and her, con- her concern for her situation that they're not going to just flip her over to the police. Well, also that it's not just Hannah, that Spencer of all people, who's always been so antagonistic to Mona. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Hannah comes forward to. Uh, she's like, "I'm sorry, Mona." And Mona's like, "For what?" And it's like, "For showing you the game and pulling you in." And Mona's like, "But you needed me. You don't know what that felt like. You needed me, just like you needed me to take care of Charlotte after the terrible things that she did." I'm sorry. I messed that up. It's getting dusty in here. And Spencer's eyes open wider at this. And Mona's like, "Nothing ever happens the way it's supposed to with me." And Spencer's like, "What do you mean?" Mona hesitates and she looks down sorrowfully as we flash back. Uh, pick up where we left off. Mona's holding a screwdriver to Charlotte's back. She's edging her out the tower window there. 
And Mona's like, all those plans, all those lies, and you end up with nothing. How does that make you feel? And Charlotte's like, please, Mona, no, don't. And Mona just kind of laughs. She's like, please, Mona, don't. Now you know what it's like to be really afraid the way you made us feel. And she keeps poking Charlotte with the screwdriver. And uh, Cecil looks generally scared now, I feel like. Or at least, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell what she really thinks, but she seems scared. Like mm. maybe she underestimated Mona. And Mona's like, say goodnight to the word, world, bully. And we get this really nice kind of like vertigo inducing shot as like the camera that keeps like looking down at the grass below just moves fully out like into the air from the tower. Like mm-hmm. it's like a trippy shot. And then Mona kind of leans back and throws Charlotte down on the belfry landing instead. She does not shove her out. Mona lands on her back and Mona crouches over her with the screwdriver right at her neck there. And she's like, listen to me. That taste in your mouth. That's what dying tastes like. Get used to it. Because you're going to choke on it every day for the rest of your long, miserable life. And she stands back up. Charlotte looks legit scared for like two milliseconds. And then this just melts away into her usual like CC Drake cruel smirk. And she says, I knew you didn't have the guts. And then uh, she grabs like a nearby like wooden two by two or something. And like just bashes Mona with it. Like in an instant, she's up on her feet. She's fighting, shoving Mona against the wall. Mona does like a like a cool fighting move and knocks the board out of Charlotte's hand. And then <laughs> Charlotte's like immediately choking the shit out of her. And she gets all, all up in Mona's face and she's like, they'll never love you. What if they just were like fencing? I'm okay with that. She's sure. like, can I let you know a little secret? I'm not actually left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not left-handed either, Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, so they're grappling and fighting kind of just throwing each other around in this like, you know, belfry walkway up here. Mona gets in a good left hook and then like Charlotte's stunned. So Mona just like grabs Charlotte and shoves her up against the wall. And there's a real sickening squish as the back of Charlotte's neck impacts on something behind her. And we see Charlotte gasp and then her her face kind of goes slack and she collapses Uh, because we see behind her, there's a real nasty iron fixture sticking out a couple inches from the wall. And like a little thing holding a pipe in place and the end of it is bloody now. And uh, Charlotte caught that right in the base of her neck. Mona kind of ducks down to check on Charlotte. She's stunned and she kind of moves the hair aside on the back of Charlotte's neck. And we see that wound in the back of her neck and then the blood on the fixture. And Mona herself kind of like half collapses on the floor here next to Charlotte. She's kind of overcome with what she just did. And she picks up the bouquet of roses. They're sitting right next to her there. And, she kind of holds him close and she starts pulling off petals like one at a time. It's, just kinda, it's like a nervous reaction, you know, like she's slowly going catatonic as the camera slowly pulls out the window and flashback. You should keep souvenirs from a killing. So should be that sentimental. I was wondering, well, a few things. Do we believe this? I guess we do. Like, I don't think there's, like, another wrinkle to come. I think the wrinkle was we weren't sure, and then they gave us the reveal in this episode. I mean, again, my my rule, as we've debated many times, is if you see it, it's probably... And it's, like, you know, filmed in a somewhat straightforward way. It's probably real. Um, There was a nice bit earlier at the diner where Mona's, like, carefully wiping her fingernails with the napkin. Like, they don't show it, but I feel like we can imagine Mona racing back through the secret passage to the two crows like reestablish her alibi get a bunch of napkins and some bleach run back down the passageway to the body and like prepare it and wipe away all the evidence 
So clue, but the distance is like 20 miles. Yeah. I'm in for that. I'm in for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she wipes it all down because that's going to be her thing in a second. Um, well, let's get to that real quick. Cause, well, uh, a few more things before we get to that. Um, do you think Mona knew that she killed Charlotte the whole time? Cause she seems to almost be remembering this in like a catatonic funk right now. Like, yeah, I kind of wonder if she fugued it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and like unlocking it through all this trauma, going deeper into the game, you know, like she's found this this past flashback for herself and it's kind of unraveled her, uh, which is why, you know, you don't introduce the game to an addict, Hannah. Um, uh, one, one more thing. Just Spencer, do you remember back when they all took a vote on who the killer was? Because yep. that's how you figure out who the killer was. One for Spencer, one for Mona. And we're pretty sure Spencer voted for Mona. Yeah, I like that. Um or Spencer's like, knew it. Um, oh, I lost my thought. Well, but like, like what we just knew at the end of this previous flashback that we knew the Mona killed her. That's what, that was what we established, right? We all walked away from that scene, you know, until no one corrected us. And so I guess the fake out here is that we think that once this flashback is going to start, we're going to get revealed to be a wrinkle. But like you said, no, no, no. Well, between flashback one and flashback two, we're like, oh, maybe somebody showed up at that point and. Mona ran away and it was, you know, Melissa killed her or Ezra killed her or Caleb killed her or something like that. Yeah. But no. It, yeah. I, I think generally if we see it, it happened. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the format of a lot of like the lost flashbacks. I know. I know. Guys I know people lost. are like, oh, they didn't show the body getting thrown off. But obviously Mona just did that. Like, I, you know, also if there was more time. They would show it. I'm going to give the show a pass on like figuring out the logistics of filming that yeah i know it's just like <laughs> with the the obvious dummy <laughs> yeah the limited time they have it's like uh, like like uh when uh dj jazzy jeff gets thrown out on a fresh yes, prince of yes, bel-air it's like exactly. that <laughs> constantly yeah um but like like lost flashbacks it was always like there's this thing that you're told and then guess what it was true mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah saeed will go evil by the end of this one just as you were warned um yeah so I wanted just to get this onto the record before we talk about it. So back on Mona on the couch and flashback, Mona's like, the reason the police never found a murder weapon is because they were looking for something hidden. It wasn't hidden. It's right there all the time in the steeple, waiting for Charlotte to come. You know, church bell tolls outside. It starts to get lighter outside. Like the sun just rose up in a hurry because it realized it's been like 15 hours of darkness. But- so like they, no point did like the corner match the wound shape to like this very obvious like thing jutting out of the wall way to fucking go rosewood pd i know god the worst fucking that's more acceptable than misidentifying bethany young's body for a fifth time right minorly yeah i mean (laughs) i i'll be honest it's you could say like oh the cops should have noticed that but like these cops i'm fully on board with them not noticing it i'm like yeah they would do that well and also let's recall the two police officers who were on the scene when the body was found (laughs) toby and lorenzo yeah not, not exactly an all-star team yeah not on the force anymore yeah, not uh, exactly the, not exactly sherlock and watson there one of them's off doing instagram things and the other's passed out pooping himself on a bed in a cabin 10 miles away well, a couple comments here first um i didn't notice this until now in the episode so i waited till now to point it out mona she's got her trench coat back on here she had the nerdy Mona outfit on the whole time ever since she left her apartment. Mm. So it wasn't like she did a costume change. She just took her coat off. 
Okay. Which kind of suggests that she was already falling back into her nerdy Mona mode. With you the know? glasses at the end of the last episode, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't like she like somehow like had clothes hiding somewhere to put on. They were they were on the whole time, uh, which I really like. Um, also, just the the phrasing of the you know the thing it wasn't hidden. It was there all the time, and the people waiting for Charlotte to come. It's like Charlotte's doom was like fixed and faded, and just like waiting for it to happen. I really like right. the, the way that plays out. The idea is that the metaphorical gun was fired a long time ago. The bullet mm-hmm. just might hit her. Yeah. Um, so we cut to the church steeple in the morning and the bell tolls for Charlotte, um, my beloved Charlotte. So back to the game board. The phone in the center still reads, congratulations. The game starts making noises again. And one by one, all the little buildings go dark as the liars watch. And then the game is off and it's dead. And after a moment, Allison slowly reaches for the board. And Spencer's like, be careful. And Allison, like, she feels the board of her hand. She's like, it's dead. And he's like, wait, did we end the game or did Mary Drake? And Hannah's like, Mona did when she told us what happened to Charlotte. She's like, well, I don't know who did, but it's finished. And I was like, well, we still don't know who did this. So she's like, well, it wasn't Mona and Mary saved us from AD by confessing. AD doesn't have any leverage anymore. There's nothing left to threaten us with. And I says, are you sure about that? She's like, I'm not sure about anything, even who I am. <laughs> That's not true. I'm sure about one thing. I'm sure about all of you. No. They all smile at each other. And Hannah has the rain. They rain things in here. And she's like, okay, let's get out of here before things get too mushy. Like that one Christmas. Holes. <laughs> and he's like, good idea. And Allison's like, I agree. And they all file out. Arya stands I think by Allie's Spencer. still a little busy. Uh, not busy. Um, jealous that uh, she didn't get to participate in the Christmas orgy. Well, she got to watch a little bit through the window, I think. And I could see where, like, you'd be a little jealous at first. And then as it starts really getting going, maybe you're like, ooh, yeah, I, don't like, think I want to be in the middle of that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That like, sexual Quidditch match. Yeah. Um, so Arya stands by Spencer the longest. She smiles at her captain. Ten and points she for Gryffindor. Yeah. Harry Nilsson starts playing on the soundtrack. <laughs> what a great song. I love that Without You is playing. <laughs> As we can't as we live go. if living is without you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people like to uh, focus on the as the camera looms over the game here. It focuses in on the House of Hastings with the uh, little Dillarantis mailbox there. And it's like, uh, that means it's Melissa or that means it's twins or I who knows, you know. Um, yeah, I. I just think so much has happened in the House of Hastings that I, I did like just the way the camera tracks over it as the song is playing. It's very wistful, like the liars mm-hmm. are gone and it's now the the camera itself. It's like the show itself is kind of fondly remembering the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, again, a great narrative device really sums up a lot of years of storytelling. Um, it's time for for our hero to ride off into the sunset. Yeah, we get a real close-up of the the game pieces, which were not on the board. They were absconded with, uh, you know, the Allie, Emily, all, all the rest of them. They're all in a little Ziploc baggie on the passenger seat of, uh, I think I saw this on Reddit. They, like, did some, you know, Reddit investigating and determined this is a Ford Econoline van, what we're in right now. Okay. Uh, we pan over from the passenger seat where the figurines of the liars are to looking out the front window 
AD is driving. They turn up the volume on the radio, listen to the song. They've got gloves on. They've got a hoodie on. They're driving down kind of like a back one-lane country road. The sun's coming up in front of them. And they're just they're just fucking driving, man. Do you ever just want to like get in the car and drive, as Twinster said in the last episode, not stop. Uh driving right into the sun and it fades to white. As, Open road, uh, baby. As uh without you starts playing. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the song? I love this song. This song, if you have two ears and a heart automatically elicits an emotional response from you. And if you, you've probably seen it in other things before, like uh, rules, rules of, attraction. of attraction. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the big one. Um, that's, that's a memorable scene. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always loved the song. I remember, I can kind of remember maybe not the first time, but a time as a child or younger, at least writing with my mom and this came on the radio. And I think I started tearing up and I didn't even know why, but there's just something I don't know something about the ways we can't really quite define music, you know, talking about architecture that it just, it hits you. It's such a beautiful, perfect song summing up what feels like a finale to me anyway. So what do you think? I mean, yeah, definitely like the song. I is as, as far as like how it links to the emotions we're feeling at the end here. I think there are two readings. One is the romantic leaning where ad can't live without charlotte and they're they're thinking of this song in a romantic sense as they drive away the other reading i think i don't know which one i'd give more weight to necessarily you know debatable but they're driving away with the liar figurines it's almost like they're liars my dolls the the game itself that's what they're mourning right now yeah can't you know the game is over and they're sad so they're leaving um i guess we'll have to find out in the next episode which it is or both yeah or both for sure but i mean i i I think you brought an important distinction earlier of the two a's and one plate of dolls one plate of you know body parts established in the text copyright 2017 um and i think this is this is a perfect ending i can't live without the game you know spencer's pointed out a has no leverage well, and this so, AD is definitely different. This is not an AD that plays with body parts, I don't think. I mean, granted, they did like literally mail body parts to someone, but not as part of a, a taunt. You know, it's not like ripping out someone's teeth to make a necklace type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this A does seem tamer, I guess would be the word I would come up with. Uh, maybe a little more willing to in like push things where the cops might get involved but mm-hmm. not as vicious as Cece. No, like not, not on her level, like just kind of following in her footsteps, trying to, to almost reluctant at times. Yeah. It's like, yeah, all they wanted yeah. to know is who the killer was. Yeah. Um, which is going to be a really interesting to, to pay off the, the emotional connection. Cause I was thinking about it at the beginning of the show where like for a few episodes, at least like, Mona, you know, big A at the end, like pretended to be Allison uh-huh. in the text messages and then like drop that. Well, I, I don't get the sense from this A that they are as in love with the game as the other A's, I guess. I mean, granted, there was the whole the, the game board and it was very cleverly and ingeniously designed, but I don't get a I miss my dolls type of vibe as much from this A. 
yes and no, but I mean, I think, you know, there's definitely the thing of the song and they yeah. made them an sure decision that like, we choose not to perpetuate this cycle. We don't want to be part of this narrative. Well, granted, this song could be communicating that, but like before this episode, I would say I, I didn't get as much of a vibe that a love the game as much as say Mona did. Right. It was a means to an end. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, to revealing something to, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess that's what I thought my mistaken idea about the puzzle pieces was that it was going to be part of revealing something about <laughs> you thought a wrong, a dude. Story. Yeah, I sure did. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I love this ending cause it's, you know, there is no game if you don't have players. It's, it's a great song to go out on. Yeah. Um, fun, fun episode. I, I'm really glad that they had an episode like this rather than like a cliffhanger to the finale. I feel mm-hmm. like the finale can be its own thing now where at least some of the weight is taken off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like narratively, I mean, it makes it a lot easier for, for the- better or worse. We got rid of that fucking flash forward thing. That's done. It's gone. You know? Well, and, and at the Paley thing, I'm Lincoln kind of basically not, not so many words said that the finale is like its own little two hour movie. It's got yeah. its own conceit. So I presume that like whatever the the big plot of it is, you know, will, will arise in the beginning and be resolved in the end, and like we'll maybe get a few more answers and run of a silencer. Well, I mean, um, I'm the, sure we're gonna get lots of ship stuff, which honestly I don't mind that much. It is a finale, and I, you know, like the the comparison that's gonna get made a lot is like to the Lost finale, which I know many people did not like. I don't know what's wrong with them. That's one of my favorite like TV experiences. Like, I don't mind the journey, like we've been with these characters for seven years. If we're going to get a lot of character moments in the finale, I'm cool with that. Like I, I will enjoy that. Well, you, you have to have a great show to have a great finale. And I think you need a great finale to cap off any journey. It's not, it's not just all open road. I mean, there's it's not I, just it, all answers. Well, it depends on the kind of person you are for some people. This could very well be the ending. The, the future's wide ahead of you. All, all, Theories are still on the table, like you said. <laughs> There's some wrinkles, but you could still even be like a Charlissa person. You could do whatever you want here. Um, if you choose to come back next week, presumably there'll be some more resolution, but it will be set in stone. It will be a little more concrete. It will be an ending. Well, it may not be know. the ending you like. Personally, I feel like the the answers are never as satisfying as the questions, but um, we shall see. I remember there's a, there's a critic out there, Film Crit Hulk. Some people may be familiar with him. He like wrote this essay about the loss ending where his, his whole thesis was the ending is the conceit of TV shows, which I like 100% disagree with. Like TV shows are a fucking long ass journey. The ending is not the conceit. Like the show is the conceit. Um, and I feel like that was true of loss and that will be true of PLL one or the other. Like whoever AD is and AD is, isn't going to be some sort of like tie it all together explanation for the entire show. Like that to me is not the core of the show. The core of the show is these characters and will they complete their journey and, and kind of move past all their issues that they've had with themselves along the way, not necessarily with AD or A, you know? Kind of like maybe it's the place they all built together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it, it all, it's, it's the Jenna thing, you know? Can they can they move past that aspect of their personalities that they loathe and they don't want to admit it's not like, Oh, so-and-so is a, that makes everything make sense now. Like Hannah said, 
five seasons ago. You know, I don't want to be defined by this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, do we want to do like a rundown of suspects? I feel like it's God. There's so many. You know, I mean, I mean I, you can list them off. I mean, do you really have hot takes on each one? And I, if I were to like categorize my like top ones, I would say Twinter, Melissa. Ezra and Caleb seem the shadiest to me currently. I still, even with Ren and the goddamn silencer in the trailer, I don't think he's anything more than a minion at most. Uh, Jason apparently won't even be in the fucking finale. This fucking town, man. Mm. Film some scenes, not even in the goddamn finale. Did he actually film scenes? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, pour one out for Drew Van Acker. I feel like he really came on at the end there. Yeah. They still have the uh, like uh, Jesus Samurai. I mean, I hairdo. I don't think it's gonna be Paige, but um, you know, there's, I don't think there's, Paige is gonna be back on the show. There's still the like, oh, maybe it was Mary all along. Uh, one, there's the same for Mona. There's uh, you know, Toby obviously with his pants around his ankles, passed out. What's up? And I'm if, if so we're, hungover. If we're assuming that this person driving here is AD, then I feel like we can rule out most of the characters. I mean, it, it, like, if if you really want to be rigid about it, you'd say, like, well, nobody we've seen in this episode is AD. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? So that, that would take out Ezra and Caleb. But I don't want to take them out yet because they're fun to think about. I think they're fun red herrings, like, like third-tier red herrings. So, I mean, ugh, you have... Melissa, which Jesus people, you have Jenna. Uh, well, I don't buy into. Melissa's you have fine. Brian, you have Lucas. My only issue with Melissa, and it's not a problem with her being AD. I just I wish she could have been around more. You know, because I, I feel like they did it once already, where it's like it's Charlotte, even though we haven't seen her first season. Like right. I, I kind of wish they were like, hey, that was okay and all, but like, man, it really would have been nicer if we could have had the actor around more before the reveal. Um, yeah. so the only reason I wouldn't want to be Melissa is because of that reason, because she just seemingly, you know, has not been around in like a season. And then even then it was like extremely sporadically. Mm. Well, like I said, I, I think I threw out CC pretty hard, um, after the season five finale. And I love, because I love Vanessa Ray and I love CC and I love that she was, you know, the big A or whatever, but that was my promise. Six A was that. You never saw Cece. You really didn't even have her mentioned. No. Um, and I just would have thought, because that's part of the fun is is the red herring aspect. Is the, you know, they're there, they're viable. You sh- you should look back and be like, oh, it was all there in front of me the whole time. Yeah. That's that's the magic trick. Um, I mean, mind but, you, you know, we've talked in the past about how you want it to be somebody who can like crush the evil monologue. Tori yeah. DeVito certainly can. I mean, God, every time she appears on screen, she's fucking fantastic. Like mm-hmm. her scenes with Spencer, every single one of them. Like there's there's no bad scene. She's always great. So yeah. I could certainly see her crushing that. I just if I, I, I wish she would have been around more if she does turn out to be AD. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's I you know, she's got Chicago Med, whatever. It's a network show. It's. 22 episodes a season. I'm sure she's making good money doing it, but you really wish sometimes like in a perfect world that they would just get every actor they wanted whenever they wanted them, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I don't know. I think it's going to be a fun finale. I, I'm trying to go into it. And obviously, I've I've been uh, beating the Twinser drum just because it's fun, and it is a little bit just me trolling, to be honest. Um, but God, I would I I would love Evil's Twinser. But I, I feel like if if you want to really enjoy the finale, like if you're going in with only one person who you'll accept as AD, you're probably not going to get it, and it's no. probably not going to be fun. Like. I, I feel like you just you gotta be because there's like like if Caleb was AD it's like well it's unexpected but like I could feel like there's all these things you could go look at and be like oh yeah there I can see this or that like I feel like there's a lot of different characters who could be AD mm-hmm. that you could enjoy uh, I mean these theories they're not this isn't like Tinkerbell you don't need to like believe in them in order for them to come true like whatever happens happens you know well and there, yeah, so the, the, there's a lot of ways to accept this there's your theory that you're really working hard on you're you're turning in like i don't know like you're gonna get fucking paid for it or whatever like if it's not the right one don't hate the show because you know it's not that you were you did something wrong you know don't hate the show because that's not the way the show goes I, mean, I feel like there is obviously your your gut check and what feels right to you in the moment there's also over time what the thing means to you as you think about it, as you process and internalize it so I feel like yeah. no matter what, no matter who they pick as AD, there's going to be something you can go point at and be like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense because of that right there. Like, there's mm-hmm. just just no way. There's been seven seasons of the show. There's been 160 episodes. Like, it's not all going to be perfect because that's just how life works. And it's TV and they write these shows like week after week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all one master plan. That's how all TV works. Um, I, I feel like I've just kind of accepted that. Uh, if there's going to be some hand waving, I'm cool with it. You know, just, just make it good and make it entertaining. That's what I want. Well, I remember like two different things from that, that showrunners documentary, the one of like Damon Lindelof, where he talked about the legacy of lost. Yeah. yeah. And, like how it all came down to like a phone call with somebody We're like, Hey, do you want to meet JJ Abrams on Monday? And he got the call on a Friday. And he said, like, if I had known everything that would go into this show and what it would mean to me and all this stuff, I would have said no. <laughs> Flat well, out, I would have said no. And then I think about uh, things like fucking guy who did the shield, like Sean Ryan. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he's so dubious whenever he reads in these interviews with these showrunners who are like, yeah, we just started our show. We have five seasons of like, yeah. heavily plotted out storylines. And yeah. he's like, he's like. These ideas aren't easy to come up with. So I'm real skeptical when you tell me you know where this show is going to go for five years. Well, and you had it all planned out and then uh, the actress got pregnant or yeah. they got another show. The guest started. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to bring it back to Breaking Bad again, the only season of that show that they planned out from the beginning was season two with the whole ABQ like plane thing. You know, no spoilers. And that was the worst season of the show, you know. I mean, I, and then you work at look at uh, How I Met Your Mother, where they plan the whole time for their twist at the end there, and everyone hated it. Like, it's not about planning; it's it's more just about how it executes. Um, so I I just hope we get something fun and satisfying. I mean, to me, this finale is kind of like it's a cherry on top moment where they've kind of cleared the decks for it so it can do what it wants now. And there isn't as much narrative weight holding it down. Like it's on the promo. There's like a fucking Mary, like doing ninja moves and like stabbing Spencer with a syringe or something like that. You know? Yes. Yes. And then her vampire teeth came out and she bites her. Um, also think about how I met your mother. Like my, my personal feeling on that show. And I've, 
I think I've seen every episode. I don't really know. I mean, really? it's not like it's wow. a super important show to me. Um, I was just always just kind of curious, and sometimes it's on Netflix when I'm not feeling well or what have you. But like, I have no problem on paper with the ending, and the finale has some great scenes in it. it but it's the, for the most part how that finale was executed that I find to be real garbage. Because like, there's a sh- episode I think in like the second last season called the time travelers, which is a great episode. And it sums up that show. And if you hadn't guessed the mother's fate by that point, you're lost. But, um, it's, it's sometimes it's not the ideas of what happens. It's the execution is poor. Um, I don't know, but maybe, maybe for all we know, this will end with the, the liars like sitting around a table on the apple rose grill. And then we'll cut to like eight seconds, eight seconds of silence. (laughs) I mean, I, uh, I, I do feel like there has to be something with how weird Spencer is acting. Some explanation. I don't know what it is, but like, I feel like there's been seemingly hundreds, if not thousands of people across the, the PLL sphere who watch the same episodes and are like, oh, wait, this one particular scene is weird. You know, like there's something going on there. I don't know what could be a mask, could be a personality thing. I guess we'll just I, have to wait. See, and see, I don't, I don't think she's acting so. Okay, so two things. I don't think she's acting so weird that it that beyond being fun, mm. the Twinser thing really has super legs to me. Also, as someone mentioned before, let's, let's create buzz where there's none. Only five people listening to this podcast know why I'm not on the Twinser train. <laughs> Is Only it five? five of you. I thought it was four. I'm trying to do like the West Wing thing of all the people who found out. Is it five or four? Uh, we'll discuss that the one podcast. plus two plus two plus, plus one plus two plus one <laughs> anyway um do you want to do you want to look at break down the the trailer at all i mean there's i feel like the main things are like the weird marion spencer ninja stuff and what seems to be some sort of weird cage there's that which i don't know what the fuck's going on there there's mona like whacking Spencer in the head the same way she does in 225 in her barn wearing an A hoodie. And uh, what was the other? Allison has bangs. Allison has bangs, tragically. Um, Oh, I can see, I can see some Toblerone drinking some wine. Did you know that in, in the UK across the pond, they call it fringe, not bangs. Oh, okay. You know that? It's like, like torch and and lift and whatnot. Yeah. Flat. Flat boot. Hmm. Uh, Fanny means something different. (laughs) Yeah, it does. I'm trying to remember the other detail. I mean, to get Addison there, there's like one more. Oh, Ren with a gun, obviously. Whatever the fuck (laughs) is going on there. We might have brought that up. Yeah, we may have mentioned that a few times. Um, I've got some smooches. Oh, Spencer's like seemingly waking up. Like, I think some people are theorizing that like maybe there's like another dollhouse or she's kidnapped or something like that. There is. There is not just, I think this is Spencer. There's not just a sex scene. There's like the shot of the two people, like fingers in the lace, like clasping hands as they, as they do it. Yeah, as they do it. Yeah. What if we um, find out on the eve of Arya's wedding that uh, Spencer and Caleb are having an affair? Mm. Oh, there's like the. Uh, Arya saying that she the, can't marry Ezra. Eh, that's fair. Yeah. There's the Citizen Kane, like. Uh, um, Snow globe rolling off the side of the with thing. Mona, yeah. yeah. What, what would you think of the show ended and it's all this is all just in Mona's snow globe in a mental hospital, and then it's just like Marlene on screen with like two raised middle fingers. 
I would I would move to LA and Ari Marlene King would never have to buy herself a drink again. I, <laughs> I fully support her doing that. Can you can you ride a horse backwards into the sunset, flipping <laughs> off the entire world while high fiving a million angels? I don't know. Um, I like that all the mentions of horse stuff, and here's Spencer Melissa and some horses. Mm-hmm. Um, what is with the like getting like Spencer getting punched in the face? Yeah, by Mona. I don't know. I mean, why does he have a gun of a silencer? <laughs> Well, it's weird what is that, like, fuck? this is theoretically, like, the wedding episode, but it seems like a hell of a lot of stuff is going on. Like, it's not yeah. just the wedding. Like, someone's in, like, a weird, like, underground hatch where, like, Mary is poisoning Spencer with a syringe. Like, I feel like it's got to take place over a longer period of time than just a wedding. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Maybe there's another time jump within the episode. Whoa. I guess it's like a year time jump. So, like, there's going to be some babies at some point. Which maybe that's why AD comes back is to kidnap the babies or something. Oh, baby Emerson, baby Emerson, and baby Emerson because there's twins. I really hope that that kid is just straight up named Emerson. What's the other Emerson portmanteau? Um, the Emerson, Alice Emily. Alice Emily. Yeah, their names are Emerson and Alice Emily. If that's the case, then it has, it has to end with like dedicated to Jacob Clifton. <laughs> AD is like, I'm kidnapping these children just to legally change their names because this is tragic. <laughs> Alice Similin, Alice Simile, Emerson, De Laurentiis Fields. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, we just got a tweet from Lauren. She wants to know, can we touch on the Melissa's AD and a Spencer mask theory? We did a little bit. Um, Man, I, I saw something like Marlene said there's gonna be masks. My my one hope for Two the masks. my one hope for the finale is that the masks aren't involved in a way that's like patently ridiculous. Um but like if it's something where like, oh yeah, that Can was I Melissa fucking opposite? Toby. You want the opposite now. I just like to me, like the the mask could hold up to observation from afar, but not like like touching and kissing and fucking basically is my feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get the fuck test in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, obviously it's PLL. So leave your logic at the door, but like, how did you get a mold of Wilden's face? <laughs> Not really? There's a lot of pictures from angles. Yeah. Um, I know someone had tweeted like, if it was just like a, a, a never ending series of like the Russian nesting dolls, like just pulling mask after mask after mask off. I know I had made a joke about like love and rockets and like the, all the people slapping somebody to like wake them in this up from this, their journey. I don't know. I, there's something kind of beautiful in that idea of like just face after face after face coming off only the last face. When they pulled that mask off, it's the same face underneath. Yeah. Spencer peels off the mask of her own face. That's definitely. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about uh Brant Doherty and his, his new Wolverine look where he's jacked as fuck? Uh he is ripped in a way that I feel like has to make you uncomfortable. That's definitely like I haven't drank any water for a couple of days to make sure like all my veins pop out. Uh, That's like the secret to like bodybuilding shows is like you dehydrate yourself just a mm-hmm. little bit. I learned that uh, from Veronica Mars, yes. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, it's the episode. It's uh, where they're all playing poker. Do you remember that one? Is it in seasons one or two? 
I think it's season one. It's the one where they think we've like that somebody stole the the pot. Oh, 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 yeah. With the actors. Yeah, the the one okay. actor. Yeah, where she goes. To I didn't set. remember that, but yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, like, well, somebody, somebody get Brant already like a fucking action movie or something. I mean, come on, man. Like, I hope this is not for nothing. Or what is this all in, in service of? Maybe this is his audition, like his resume. He's like, give me fucking Wolverine. Like, come on. Yeah. Look maybe. what I did to myself. <laughs> this has to mean something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, is, like, is there like some post Fifty Shades like buzz? I know he's doing like that Battle of the Network Stars thing, which is funny because I, I saw those pictures of him and Keegan Allen like tussling. And of course... My fucking reaction to all this like social media bullshit. I'm like immediately like, googling pictures of Toby and and, and uh, Noel Khan like in the in the this is a dark ride. Well, I'm just thinking of like, oh, there's Jack Noel Khan, but uh oh, watch out, Keegan Allen's hair is coming up behind you. <laughs> it's going to swallow you and eat you. <laughs> oh my god, what is what is what is the sound of the voice of Keegan's hair? <laughs> I gave you my number. Yeah, I don't it's know. Straight up Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did Some, you miss me? Somebody give Brant Doherty an action movie. I don't know. I, I fully support all the PLLs going on to be in like like Marvel movies or something. Mm. Especially Mona and Spencer. He can be like Wonder Man. <laughs> yes. That's the long unheard like spoilerific uh title of the fourth avengers movie it's just avengers wonder man <laughs> all right i think we've talked wonder man's enough. a real character guys he's ridiculous um uh, brand would probably be perfect as him also we should probably point out um we might have something special in a few days maybe but with that uh our finale Oh, shit. Podcast. Yeah, I guess we, we should talk about we'll that. It'll be a, a few days later, and usually it won't drop on Friday morning, only because I feel like we kind of have to talk about this. I'm just going to go ahead and announce. We're probably going to, we were talking previously about doing it as two parts, two episodes of the podcast. I think we're going to try to do it as one <laughs> ill advised, massive fucking thing as the episode aired, right? I feel confident saying there's like a 20% chance we'll do a reaction episode. So only 20% chance, no guarantees. But yeah, I, I feel like the finale, it would be weird if we did half an episode and we're like, peace out, come back to us in like three days for the rest of it. So we're going to yeah. try to do it all as one, even though it's a two-hour episode. We may or may not do a reaction episode. Um, we won't be doing a reaction episode that night because as it would have it, I'm going to be out of town visiting a friend. Um, so definitely will not be anything that night for sure. But Just- uh, yeah. Think about how fitting that, that is, guys. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Light and I started watching the show separately, and we're going to end it separately. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I think we've covered everything we need to cover. Do you um, want to talk about... Well, I wanted to just thank uh, a couple people. Joanna, Tess, Abby, Lorena. Thank you all for, for emailing us. Um, just reaching out to us recently. Uh, Nadal, I think last week i didn't know if i had ever thanked barrett i wanted to forge you barrett's email because barrett wrote a hell of an email but i especially mm-hmm. want to thank um chantel for for emailing us and telling us that she listens and sharing a very personal story about the podcast has meant to her and i don't know i mean i don't know if there's going to be an episode where we get 
gushy and mushy and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I don't quite know how to put into words what, what the people listening have meant to me. I'm, Would you say that you can't live if living is without you? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I want to thank Chantel. I want to thank a lot of people, though, just for, you know, you know there's like there's no game without players. This thing doesn't fucking exist without you guys. But really, <laughs> especially you're all showing up for another extension of PLL. But still, I appreciate that you let us be your extension. I'm continually amazed that people listen to us. Yes. I, uh, and I am so sorry. <laughs> to which I can only say sincerely, sincerely, I can be from the bottom of my heart um, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we're at broswatchpl2 on the Twitter. Our website page is broswatchpl2.com if you want to leave a longer comment. We've got some reviews. I actually checked internationally, uh, at least the, the major countries out there, Western countries. In the U.S., thanks to Jane Finley for upgrading us from three to four stars, even though she does not like my Ezra impression. Uh, Repre2, it's Kate Marie, Chronically Purple Zebra. Nainer289, and then I love this one. 00000095434. I don't know if that's like your zip code or what, but thank you very much for the review. Um, oh shit, that's Sean Spicer's password. Oh shit. <laughs> Polyrad1217. Thank you to the reviews. We have a ridiculous amount of reviews in the US. It's up to like 279. God damn. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, in Canada, thanks to Dan5120 and Jana Bueno. In the UK, thanks to Sazzy D, 1D, Lava X, and Live Juniper. In Australia, out of nowhere, four reviews Mick Mick the Rock Lobster, Sky Ness, Lauren2309, and Jess Wise. Uh, we got a bunch of reviews recently. Thank you so much. Uh, really means a lot. We like reading your reviews, uh, just knowing that people are out there listening. That's why we do the podcast. Yeah. I mean, also something, something, something. We don't no one knows how it works, but you know, podcasts move up through iTunes and things like that through reviews and whatever. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, just the fact that you, I don't know, you took the time to mm-hmm. to log in and write something. Oh, we just got a one last review from Thankful Bro, Mr. Grill. Thank you. Got mm-hmm. in right under the wire there. Um nice. yeah, I don't the iTunes rankings are like whatever, but uh, we definitely appreciate hearing from you guys and just knowing that people are listening. I think the first review we got was it just said like people are listening. So yeah, that was I, nice. I never, I'll never forget that. Cause I don't know. It's one of those things I still, I still, my mind goes back to that as we think about how to end this gracefully. I still think about the first time we realized that we had a single listener mm-hmm. from a, uh, crystal id one yeah people are listening yeah. guys and we're like oh shit we should stop and being then, completely drunk yeah <laughs> completely drunk train wrecks which i feel like we we eliminated half that so cool yeah uh we'll be back for the end um i don't know if it's going to be a reaction to the full episode i guess we'll we'll have to see how that goes down it will not even like if the next time you hear from us, if it's our our long ass like six hour recap episode or whatever, I feel confident saying that's not gonna be the last episode of the show. Uh, we'll we'll have something. Maybe we'll revisit in a couple of weeks, do roundtable, something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, we won't be going away quite yet. Like the show, we'll we'll have our uh, our after show. Yeah. 
that's going to be interesting. Yeah, so the the PLL after show, mm. you know, the one they're doing after the finale. Yeah, yeah, that is. I'm kind of curious if it's just like someone just keeps bringing like shots to I Marlene King, and she's just like, I'm going to clear out some grievances. <laughs> No, no, I have a big stack of paper here, like Trump's lawyer bringing out all these like folders of like fake paper or blank paper. I'm going to read off some uh, usernames. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we will be back sometime next week to discuss uh, the, the end of the show. We'll see. Yeah. Enjoy, Buckle guys. up, everyone. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. <laughs>